Hey, real quick, if you're a return listener and you love low-value mail as much as I love doing it, please just do me a solid, leave a rating, leave a review. It really does help. All right, on to the show. What up, queens? What up to all my my queens, the scrotes, the low-value males, the negative-value males? And, of course, what am I missing? The high-value males. But that shit is like the G-spot. That shit is a myth. The myth of the high-value male. Does it exist? I don't. I'm not certain that there is such a thing as... The myth of the high-value male. Oops. Always forget to do that. Um, what up, everybody? Welcome to another low-value streaming of the female dating strategy podcast uh just want to make sure we're all working here what's up to everybody is this running as it should be i think so i see some things what's up sup sup uh thank you love in the background someone says um all right well we gotta go we're gonna have a good little stream we're, uh, I think we're at the halfway point, and so this is an interesting episode, and I wonder, well, so we'll see, um, but so episode 30, we, we've now banged out 29, although again, we've skipped a bunch of them. Uh, this is episode 30 of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, titled Gabby Petito, What Women Can Learn from the Police Footage. So, interesting thing about this, the reason why I ever even learned about Gabby Petito, oh no, sorry, learned about Female Dating Strategy Podcast was because, I'm going to see if I can search my own tweets, um, because, oh, see, I can't do it. Uh, So, sorry, I wish I would have prepared because I had a, oh, here we go. So, on September 22nd, 2021, I tweeted Gabby Petito just reached 1 million followers on Instagram. So she had, I think she had been found dead at this point. So I re, I said, Gabby Petito just reached 1 million followers on Instagram. There are a lot of influencers who could stand to learn a thing or two from her. That was my joke. So the joke essentially was um, if you're an influencer and you're wanting to become popular on Instagram, get murdered. That was the joke. It was get murdered by your boyfriend or husband if you would. Now, again, it's obviously a joke because why would you care how many followers you have if you've been murdered? Right. So that was the joke. I thought it was a clever joke. Thought it was a clever joke. Did pretty well on Twitter. If I don't say so myself, but I guess the the hens over at the female dating strategy found out this joke came. And so I was on the front page of the female dating strategy Reddit being like, see, look at this fucking piece of shit, all this stuff. They were going in on me pretty hard. And then someone brought it to my attention, at which point I learned about the female dating strategy. I learned about the term low value male, everything. It was really, it really just broke everything open. So if anything, who knows, maybe this Gabby Petito tweet changed my life. So shout out to Gabby Petito. Shout out to Brian Laundry, Cause without, Brian Laundry, there would be no Gabby Petito, kind of. Um, and I'm hoping that the female dating strategy clips this and then puts me on blast again. By the way, there's a there's a Gabby Petito movie on Lifetime right now, which I saw a bit of, and I'm like, it makes her look kind of crazy. It doesn't make him look good, but it makes her her look not good either. So, anyways. Uh, so I wonder if I'll somehow maybe come up in this. 
I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But and then again, as always, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who's supporting the the streams, the patrons, patreon.com slash low value mail. You get a lot with it now for five bucks. And if you've been thinking about joining one of the I don't know why people do this. Maybe they just get sick of my shit. But someone from the White Square Club just canceled. There are, so there is a dollar membership right now. They come up occasionally. But there is it seems to be like there is one available right now. So uh, if you want to go snag that, go ahead. Or join the YouTube channel. You get all these emojis and all sorts of nonsense, you know. But uh, as always, once we hit 100 likes on the stream, I will give away a channel membership for the Scrotes Package. The Scrotes Package. That's a weird term. But uh, it's just basically you get access to the low-value mail. After show on Tuesday, you get audio uploads. Actually, no, you don't because that's on Patreon. So I don't know how to, like, combine the two. It's too complicated. Um, But, you know, Discord stuff. Whatever. You know what it is. All right. Without further ado, let's get to 100 likes. I'll give away one of these memberships, but let's get started. Um, episode 30 of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, Gabby Petito. What women can learn from the police footage. Let's go, queens. What's up, queens? What's Welcome up, queens? to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And um, this is Savannah. And I'm Lilith. Today, we're going to be talking about the Gabby Petito case. Specifically, we're going to be reacting to the body cam footage by the police. Mm, For those of you who've boring. been following this case on social media, I'm sure a lot of people are already familiar with this case, but we're going to do a bit of a rundown of the details of the case just for those who are not so familiar. Yeah, and bring it into a broader discussion about how to protect yourself against uh, men like this. About protect yourself against getting murdered. I, uh, and also the red flags to look for. We're going to be breaking down some of the red flags in the police body cam footage. So a bit of a background on Gabby Petito. Uh, her and her boyfriend, oh, Brian... Sorry, we're not on... Uh... We're on normal speed. I apologize for doing that to any of you. And laundry. One and um, they've been baby. dating for a Double few speed's years, too much. Um, and it started a Van Life YouTube channel. And anybody that follows social media, the Van Life vloggers really took off in the past couple of years, maybe three, four years. And it's basically where a, couple, a solo person, but often a couple, sell all their worldly possessions and then travel the country in a soup. Down- Traveling the country, arguing in a van. Van life, everybody. Oh, man. So they are essentially travel vloggers. So it's a pretty popular genre of YouTube videos as well as on Instagram. I think we all dream of, you know, being able to travel and being able to see, you know, all the wonderful things that life has to offer. Yeah, but do we all dream of doing it in a van? I feel like that would be fun for a little bit. I'd get all, I'd get tired. For a big part <laughs> of it is minimalism. There's always some part in the video where they describe how they're so much better off not having all of the things that used to tie them down. They've learned oh, yeah? they to live and be any- I mean, we say that we're listening to this. They're both dead now. Live anywhere and be anyone. It's fairly lucrative for for a lot of the early adopters, I think. Yeah, there's some of them. I mean, they have millions of followers and they do take a lot of really cool pictures. So that's the background in which the world is introduced to Gabby. So we're definitely not roasting a van life. And Brian Laundrie prior to Gabby's disappearance. And then the larger world was introduced to them, obviously, after her uh, now confirmed homicide. So July 2nd, the couple left Florida to travel through Colorado and Utah. August 12th, they were this August 12th is, is a big date. That's the date that Gabby Petito and Brian. By the way, chicks love it when other chicks get murdered. They just I don't know. There's something about women 
and murder. That Landry were stopped by Moab police in Moab, Utah. They received a 911 call saying that a male was seen hitting or slapping a female. And when the police arrived there, they found a what they called a domestic dispute. And by the, by now, I think so many millions of people have seen the body cam footage. It's it's very hard to watch. It's very creepy. But we'll get into that in a moment. So on August nineteenth, they posted on YouTube their channel, Van Life, beginning of our Van Life uh, journey. August nineteenth. This was after the domestic uh, incident. So they posted a video about their Van Life. It was very idealistic, very. Um, very like you know lots of pictures of them kissing like holding hands walking down the beach that sort of thing so it's almost creepy to me that that happened after the domestic violence like that was that was posted a week after the domestic violence dispute um it also goes to show you cannot trust the relationships that you see on social media and instagram yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so much of it is contrived and so much of it is um them only showing you the parts of the relationship they want you to see yeah i mean they're already on a on the road for over a month basically I mean, how unhinged would it be if you're showing like every aspect, all the negatives of your relationship on social media? You'd be like, that's just, un it's like, here's me and my girlfriend fighting. On the timeline when the police were called and then they posted their video uh, a week after that. So the last time that Gabby was seen alive was checking out of a hotel in Salt Lake City, Utah on August 24th. Then Petito's mother said that she last spoke to her daughter August 25th. How, does, also how do we learn about dating strategies? Where's the Date dating strategies? Or is this one just for them? Uh, Instagram picture was posted. Yeah, so a, a witness claimed in a TikTok post that she and her boyfriend gave Landry a ride in Grand Teton National Park August 29th, that he was camping alone for days. That's suspicious. So this so this is a guy who, for at least, at least from the last time that Gabby was seen on the 24th, 25th to the 29th, that he was aware of her death. <laughs> that he's still out here camping, and she then more, more than likely was dead somewhere between this time. Yeah. That's like the kind of fucked up thing about him is that he probably murdered them and then he's like just going back to enjoying his vacation, you know? Yeah, no, he was probably like trying to get a, you know, he was trying to seem innocent. So, right? Because like if he, he was trying to not appear guilty, obviously, because he was still in his mind going to get away with this. So then he had to be like, yeah, I guess we're going to fight and I'm just going to keep on camping. Um, yeah. So then September 1st, police said that Landry returned by himself to Florida in Petito's white van. He was seen for the next few, next week or so, uh, like cleaning his van, mowing the lawn, just going about his day. Um, September 11th, Petito was reported missing by her family to the Suffolk County Police Department in New York. Uh, her family lives in Long Island, New York, um, and said that Petito stopped communicating with her friends and family. She was, and she was believed to still be near Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. And then during this time, for some reason, Brian's family never thought to tell the, her family where they were or what was happening. The only reason why they reported, uh, why Gabby's family reported the disappearance of the police was just because they hadn't heard back from her. Yeah, it was very odd that he showed back up to his parents' house. In her van. In her van. And it seems weird that the parents didn't ask questions or maybe they did and he gave him some lie. But either way, I think for, I don't know how, how close or how far they live, but the fact that he was riding around in her van without her should have been... A red flag. A red flag enough, yeah. And he didn't report her missing. He just carried on for another couple of weeks, even though she wasn't with him. It's very bizarre. Yeah. And then on September 14th, Landry and his family released a statement saying that he will remain silent under the advice of his counsel, which... Super sus. Like, what kind of person comes back from a road trip where your partner just disappeared, apparently, and then the first thing you do... Well, when you start... I mean, again, obviously we know now, but when you start getting accused of shit, uh, you know, he, if you're innocent, if you're guilty, you don't want to talk to the cops because you say one thing and it will be held you against you. back his lawyer up. You don't even go to her family and say, oh, shit, you know, Gabby's gone missing. Like, um, like this is supposed to be your fiancé, like, the person that you're closest to. And you just go ghost on her family when she doesn't come back with you. It's so... I don't know what kind of person would be cool with that. 
I just don't. And then September well, 15th, he, yeah, he murdered her. Northport police named Landry a person of interest in her disappearance, but that he was not making himself available to be interviewed by investigators or provided any helpful details. So he refuses to cooperate with the investigation. Another red flag. That's like, what, fifth red flag? I mean, there's no reason to not be concerned about her safety unless you already know she's dead, right? Because otherwise you would be like, oh, let's send a search party, even if they had split up. Yeah, even if you're broken The up, queens have cracked the case. Like, I don't have a single one of my exes that if I thought that they were missing and I knew where they were. Like, I, even if I didn't like them, I would still give information to, so that hopefully they'd be found, right? Well, you're a better woman than I. Right, exactly. Yeah. So he know it, it's very clear yeah. that he knows something happened to her. Well, that she's not coming back, basically. Or that he he's hella guilty. That's, that's how guilty people act. Yeah, September 16th, Petito family releases a letter to the Laundry family pleading for their cooperation, and they just left. Is this episode boring? I can't tell if, we, if I care about this. Let's... I honestly can't tell if I care about this episode or not. Obviously, it would be funny if they start roasting me for my tweet. Laundry's but... family just la- leaves her family on red. Um, don't respond. And keep in mind, Gabby lived with Brian's family, right? So she knew Brian's parents. She knew their whole family. You know, they'd, you'd think that they would at least give somewhat of a shit about her safety. Disgusting. Um, and then on Disgusting. September 17th, Landry was reported missing by his family. It's just... <sighs> the family said they hadn't seen him in days, which again is also crazy to me. His whereabouts are currently unknown, and currently he's they're searching for him in a, or a nature preserve in Florida. And so a lot of people are speculating that he's either committed suicide or that he's on the run. And then September 19th, that's when they found a body that they said was consistent with the description of Petito. They then did, they then uh, did an autopsy confirmed on September 21st. That yeah, the body, yeah, yeah. Um, was in fact Petito's. And then September Is... 22nd, they issued a arrest warrant for Landry. All and that's right. more or less the summary of the, of the timeline of events. It's still an open investigation. Um, this is the best information that we have so far. There's a lot to dissect here as far as his behavior and the red flags uh, that were presented we're putting it to the people as a poll, skip or no skip. During the initial contact they had with the police that we think is important to dissect, in addition to the discussion about the case at large and his behavior afterwards. And also the behavior of the police as well. The um, police. I have a lot to say about that. So their roasting is coming. But before we get into dissecting this incident, we just wanted to... By the way, shout out to Klunberg for the very astute comments. So, so their dating strategy show is now a true crime show. Natural evolution of chick podcasts, I get. Very well said. To say that our thoughts are with Gabby Petito's family. Um, Ultimately, they are living every family's worst nightmare when their daughter goes out and doesn't come home. Um, And we really empathize with this. Obviously, they are living every family's worst nightmare when their daughter goes and lives in a fucking van on Instagram. And hope that they find healing at some point and justice um, over the loss of their daughter. So, and our thoughts go out to her um, and also to all the other families who are missing their daughters, their wives and sisters, because unfortunately Gabby Petito is one of many, many millions of women who are disappeared at the hands of men. I think the- You should say millions of women? Aspect of their social media presence and them being part of this van life movement really helps really is part of the, the push of the visibility of the case. Um, and there's been some discussion about the about how the media only covers certain types of cases, mostly specifically around missing white women. Um, oh, I know women. Some discussion that a lot of that had to do right. with Gabby's parents behind the scenes trying to push it to the media because obviously their daughter had been missing for a month and they didn't hear anything from either Laundry's family or the police. Um, We're going to let this poll go on for another minute or two, but it looks like this is a skipper. But uh, I think... It's a tragedy and that we're going to focus on the kinds of dissecting the kinds of tells that I think any woman can use in this situation. 
because obviously, you know, when we're, when we're talking about male behavior and male violence, that's something that we all experience. So we're going to dive right into Brian and Gabby's encounter with the police as taken from their video cam on August 12th. His name's Gabby. Gabby, Brian. Okay. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm just crying. We've just been fighting this morning. Some personal issues. You want to tell Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I have really bad OCD. And okay. I just, I was just cleaning and straightening up the back of the before and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I just get really frustrated. I'm not like mean towards him. I just like, I guess my vibe is like, I, I'm like in a bad mood. And I was just saying, I'm sorry if I'm in a bad mood. I just been really stressed. I had so much work I was doing on my computer this morning. What did you do for a living? Um, well, I, I used to work at all. Yeah, I used to but I just... All right, this is unlistenable. All right, that's a skipper, everybody. Uh, I'll go listen to this episode at some point and see if I get brought up. Who knows? All right. Well, that was episode 30 of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast. On to episode uh, 31 of the Female Dating Strategy podcast, uh, which, you know what? This might also be a stinker, too. I got bad news. So I think Ro um, wanted to branch off and get a different podcast. So she started her own podcast called the Female... uh, Political Strategy Podcast. What's up, Queens? So I think... And it's so uh, this is episode 31 and also really annoying. They stopped numbering them at some point. They decided they're not numbering them, really. So uh, sometimes they're numbered, sometimes they're not. But so, all right, we're on to episode 31 of the Female Dating Strategy podcast, which is a spinoff podcast, which now has its own podcast. I know this, but this is technically under the umbrella of Female Dating Strategy podcast specifically. So this might be a skip to female political strategy. We're coming for you featuring L, episode 31. And again, the more we skip, the better off we are, right? It's your host, Ro. Do you like female dating strategy? Would you no. like to see us expand on a lot of different no. platforms? Then please sign up for our Patreon. We are no. currently targeting a $10,000 per month no. which would allow us to work full-time on female no. dating strategy content in order to expand on different platforms and upgrade no. our media presence. As a special thank you to our current Patreon subscribers, we will no. be increasing our upload rate for our bonus content to be weekly on Friday, no. as well as offering a special discount for paid annual memberships. So no. please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash female low value strategy. mail. That's patreon.com forward slash the female low value strategy. mail thank you let's start the show what's up queens welcome to the female dating strategy podcast the meanest female only podcast on the internet i'm your host ro and this is savannah and i'm lilith and for the first time ever we're introducing l say hello l hello everybody Hi. wait we have a new member like they're not saying featuring l it's like a l. <laughs> a little bit of background on l we a couple of months ago sent out a message that we were looking for a conservative co-host uh, for a soon-to-be-launched political strategy podcast called Female Political Strategy. And we fortunately were able to find someone uh, who came from a conservative ideology to join us uh, on that podcast. I wanted to kind of talk about it. We wanted to invite her on the show because we wanted to both introduce her to our audience, but also to um, discuss the controversy that arose when we originally were looking to find a conservative co-host. Because I know when we originally put the the bat signal out that we were looking for, (laughs) that we were looking to reach across the aisle um, for our political strategy podcast, it was not necessarily well, immediately well received by our audience who overwhelmingly leans left wing. 
Yeah, I was I was surprised that it got the amount of backlash that it did because Oh, uh, were you surprised that your female podcast got some backlash when you tried to bring on fucking Megan Kelly? Uh, I mean, as a Canadian, like conservatives here are pretty normal, but uh I don't know about you people in the states. No I'm kidding. <laughs> I also second that as a Brit. I find as a Brit. Um, politics in the US is a lot more polarizing. But I'm excited about By the way, throw me a like, 50 more likes on the stream, and I'll give away a channel membership. You'd be stupid not to. About this new podcast. I'm excited to have L on board. I'm excited. It's always good well, to uh, have uh, a dialogue with people you don't, I mean, you may disagree with. Um, I find that like living in an echo chamber, so to speak. No, you silence people you disagree with. Speak is not really always a good thing it's always good to, to hear the other side and you may also find that the other side has really good points as well um because i know when i started what? um you know i studied um like politics at uni when i started i was quite uni? left-wing by the time i left i was like in the center possibly leaning right <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah opinions can change as well so your viewpoint might change as well so I just employ you all just to keep an open mind and shout out to people who are able to uh change their opinions it is a actually a sign of a smart person so and welcome out welcome thank you guys so much like i'm super stoked to be here honestly and I, i'm fucking super stoked to fucking be here i what? genuinely can agree with you guys more you guys are a dope group of girls for sure oh shucks thanks <laughs> yeah we do our best we try yeah. um <laughs> so <laughs> i uh wanted to introduce you by talking about your journey to fds like how did you find fds what about fds appealed to you just to kind of introduce you to our audience but also like show that um, the idea behind FDS is that it should hopefully work for women and we can hopefully find enough commonalities with women who come from varying backgrounds, who come from varying political schools of thought, uh, united against our struggle together against the struggle of scrotery, mm -hmm. the struggle of scrotery, <laughs> our struggle against scrotery. Yeah, our struggle against scrotery and that the struggle against scrotery is multifaceted and that if you don't talk to women who come from more conservative backgrounds and you're and considering that a large percentage of women vote conservative and a lot of women who vote conservative who do consider themselves female first and who would also consider themselves more or less feminist even if they're not um, feminist in the traditional liberal feminist sense that without having that conversation with women like that and understanding their needs and the kinds of things that they value then you're only getting part of the conversation so I kind of wanted to kick that off by asking you to discuss your journey to FDS and why uh, FDS is appealing to you as the a scrotery. For sure, for sure. No, thank you so much for this opportunity because I genuinely couldn't agree more that, especially here in the U.S., um, conversations with those of other leanings has become not only polarized; it's a minefield now. And just within the last like election, last two election cycles. I have just straight up waited until like the third or fourth meeting of somebody to discuss it as if though, you know, it's like sex. Now it's another intimate topic. I just don't get into it with everyone. But here I am sharing my intimate, <laughs> intimate parts of the world. So, hey, welcome. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it, it's good to be out. Um, so I guess I just wanted to start with a quote that I heard when I was younger. And it was, um, if you're young and not a liberal, you have no heart. And if you're an adult and not a conservative, you have no brain. Where is that quote from? That's interesting. I have no idea. Some old white dude probably said it. Okay. <laughs> oh, some old white dude. So um, I'll actually find a source for you and get that back to okay. you. But it really it made absolutely no sense at the time. I was a I was from the bluest of bluest towns. We had one conservative in um in my high school, in my grade school growing up. Uh, we had the most diverse town ever. We had hundred and some odd countries represented at just my high school. So I grew up in a blue container and. I don't know if you wanted me to get into my conservative background first, but I, I think it's relevant because it kind of leads into how I found FDS. Is this a skip too? What the fuck um, are they doing? But I was diehard feminist. Uh, at one point, I identified as a conscientious objector. And I don't know what shifted. 
I think it had to do with a scrote at some point in my life, but scrote, the blame the scrote. And I was poor and student loans in the US are kind of like standard issue if you want to make it in life. So I realized I didn't want student loans. School is very expensive. And I, as an immigrant, wanted to serve my country. So I wound up joining the military and went from the bluest little dot in, you know, the West, um, West of Mississippi to a fairly conservative place. And I'd never met a conservative before, honestly, like we had one guy in high school that whose dad listened to Rush Limbaugh and we thought he was Republican and everybody hated him for being practically KKK. And yep. <laughs> to like, <laughs> you know, people surrounded, I'm surrounded by people with like master's degrees and like all their teeth in their mouth and <laughs> able to speak with proper grammar. Wow, you're conservative <laughs> and you have all of your teeth? <laughs> I actually may have said something along those lines. Oh, that's funny. I shit you not. So, I was a hot mess. What, what am I doing? Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. What am I doing? I was like, but you're a racist. Like, I don't know. I was like, but you're not racist, but you are. I don't understand. Why are you Republican? And um, it was a great dialogue back and forth. But um, a lot of what, you know, led me to the conservative side of the house is the fact that I grew up Muslim. That's really the heart of it. I, I grew up Muslim. I'm an immigrant. I'm from the African continent without getting really too much into it. And the role, the gender roles are very strict and very real. And so I find myself growing up with this very deeply ingrained construct of a woman's role in society and a man's role in society. And there's nothing really spiritual about it. It's very clearly dictated in the Quran, what a woman does and what a man does in the house down to like how they pray, who stands behind who, how you walk, who makes decisions, legalities, um, if they're bearing witness. And so joining the military surrounded by men and having had a series of failed relationships, but having a liberal background, I decided maybe there's... I got to try something different. And Based Muslim chick, huh? And All right. Maybe my view of gender dynamics as somebody who grew up in a Western world is not right. And maybe I need to like kind of hone in on my roots. And that's kind of when I looked for, you know, female submission, because it's huge in, in the Quran, but I wasn't religious. So I kind of just looked it up on Reddit. And this is like mid 2010s. And I found Red Pill. And it was like, oh, God, um, men need to be the leaders of the house and women need to all right i don't think we're skipping this one sorry kind of understand the way it. men think and so i really just dove deep into that you grew up muslim so were your parents more conservative yeah so growing up muslim it's interesting because you have your values right and then you have your party affiliation here in the u.s and 
again, I'm from the African continent, so by US standards, I'm black. And you're kind of just told what party you're affiliated with. So we came here and it was like, you're black now, here's your party, you're a Democrat, run with, you know, go with the wind. And so yes, we had conservative values at home, but we weren't Republican, we were Democrat. And that's fairly common actually here in the US amongst like diaspora communities actually. Right, okay. So, but the way that you grew up, would you say that your parents kind of raised you to have more conservative values and were you a liberal, like when you voted Democrat, did you have liberal values? Was that like a sort of like rebellion against your parents? How, how did that work? So I'm actually a gold star Republican. I've never voted liberal in my life. Um, Damn, that what so that means? I, I yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so the cognitive dissonance was not lost on me. I had conservative values, but yes, to answer your question, I did rebel against me. My- Why do I have a feeling some people who are listening to this are going to be like, go check out this chick's podcast parents by adopting these very liberal views which were actually more in line with democratic values than republican values were um but it was one of those things that you just compartmentalize right so you have your conservative religious values but you vote democrat despite the democrat standing for everything that goes against your diaspora's values so yeah so socialism wrecked the country i'm from so like a lot of these ideas that democrats and me too <laughs> general tend to posit and now progressives really rub people from my part of the world the wrong way, but still adhere to voting Democrat because that's just the way things are. And when I was younger, I kind of just bought into it. It's like, I'm a Democrat. But then I came home with these ideas that like, I'm pro-gay marriage, I'm pro-abortion, I'm pro all of these things that were starkly not Islamic. Um, And so you just kind of didn't pay attention to that part. You were just still a Democrat. But me being a conservative actually doesn't vibe it, it doesn't piss off my parents and the older generation as much as it really pisses off like my peers that actually. Oh, have you don't say. Values. I think there's a difference between the liberal values voter and then the liberal voter who votes economically, right? Or the mm-hmm. liberal voter who votes because they just don't feel that there is a place for them in conservatism, right? Meaning they they feel racially or culturally ostracized or antagonized specifically by conservatives, so then they feel okay, I have to be a liberal and fight against what is essentially. sometimes like a racialized caste system or racialized fascism coming from the right. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they don't, in a lot of respects, share some of their values. And you're starting to see, I think, a greater population of uh, people of color um, and specifically a lot of Latinos who vote conservative, who are values voters. Like they have a lot of the conservative values in in line, even if they... It's almost like people have their own brains and then they use them to vote in elections for candidates with their brains. 24 more likes, people. What are you doing? I'm trying to give away a goddamn channel membership. This dude, Black Cheez-Its, is losing his goddamn mind over this. Just help him out. Economically might agree with liberals or if they, even if they economically might agree, agree with liberals or if they're sort of not really invested in liberal values. Some of them are, are, are specifically against liberal values, especially if they come for, from cultures that are have more conservative values um, that are informed by their traditional religious values. They come from more patriarchal type culture. So, I mean, that's not odd. Yeah. I have one question because you mentioned that you weren't religious, um, but you're still conservative. And so a lot of people assume that if you're conservative must mean, you know, you're a part of the religious right and so on. So how does that work being conservative, but not religious? Sorry if that's a dumb question. <laughs> No, that's a great question because that was actually going to be my next point. Tell us about 9-11. Point. Um, morality wasn't really a part of politics until Reagan era, Christian right, um, you know, say no to drugs and bring morality back to America, bring God back to America. And then, I mean, you had that little stint in the 50s where um, One Nation Under God was added to the um, to the Pledge of Allegiance. So having political values here in the U.S. is two things. So one, you actually have political ideologies in which the way a government should interact with its constituents, right? And then you also have the morality-based system. And I think those two exist on both sides, right? So you have 
the social morality that the left is kind of emerging with now, with like the sacred topics that you just don't say anything about, um, which we won't get into, but the social issues that each side kind of panders to. But at its core and at its essence, though, political values and moral values are really not the same thing. Mm, And I think in the US, we kind of shifted away from that because morality gets ratings and then you have that moral high ground of saying, well, you're wrong because Jesus, or you're wrong because equality, you're wrong because X, Y, and Z. And then now you've kind of taken facts out of the conversation and you've inserted this high ground that you really can't argue with. Like, what are you going to do? Call up Jesus? Have him show up? <laughs> Third Easter? I don't know. Um, so that's that's kind of it. So no, you don't have to be Christian to be conservative. But yes, you do find yourself at a party with a lot of Christians when you are a conservative and vice versa like it seems like everybody's scrambling to find the moral high ground right where they feel that their personal values should shape government right so I, i'm not one of those people that thinks that like your moral values are completely devoid from the way that we govern clearly when we pass legislation it's because we believe in some kind of principle to uphold the question is always like whose principles do we uphold and decide are the moral high ground right yeah. So I think it's a little bit tough because when people are like, well, keep religion out of politics and and separation of church and state, well, I completely and totally agree with that. It's like, what exactly constitutes religious values or moral values, right? Right now you're seeing two competing frameworks of moral values, one coming from academia and then one coming from your old school traditional uh, sacred religious text, right? I mean, they're different. So yeah, I don't... these both have some kind of moral framework in which they view the world. The question is always who whose values are going to be more effective for governing a populace. I, I think that's a false dichotomy that we've worked ourselves into that. How do you define right if not without religion or some sort of like moral basis? But I think the real dichotomy here is the collective good vice the individual good. Mm-hmm. I think those are that's the real spectrum that we're on that we've shifted away from. You know, before it was, hey, do we do good by the individual or do we do good by all? But we've all kind of broken up into balkanized essentially into these groups of who's more right than the other but if everybody believes what they believe then we're all right and we're all wrong and we stay in a state of chaos and that gets into my more like conspiracy wingnut irregular warfare yeah now we're talking you guys are trying to get into but um yeah again it's it's just a false dichotomy i don't think morality has to be based morality has to be the conversation it's just who's good are we serving so the funny thing is that both i think both sides think that their side is about the collective good and that the other side is about is bad and individualistic yeah i certainly don't think this is gonna be a funny episode like take abortion for example uh left-wing people see abortion as you know all women need to have access to abortion because it's good for you know all of society to you know have have rights or you know or, or how do I put it? Like it's good for all of society if women are able to control their reproductive freedom. Yeah, and whereas conservatives see that as more of an individualistic thing, so they say that no, no, we, they just think it's a life, and you're we killing are it. against abortion because it's killing babies, and yeah. you know we're speaking for the voiceless, and you know to have an abortion is selfish and individualistic, and so on. So I think like both sides think see themselves as about collective good, and that the other side, which is the right thing, and that the other side is selfish and individualistic. I don't know. I think it could go both ways. If you're really thinking about society on an individual level first, which is why I am a conservative, individual liberties at the smallest personal level, I think we could do a lot of good. Mm. And it, it is a little self-centered, but... I am so on the fence about if we skip this or not. It's a short, somewhat of a shorter episode. But I think we think too macro, too, sometimes, because in the U.S., you don't really have a lot of focus on the local level politics either. So if we take that like view of not just the individual, of 
365 million people, but really zoom it into the individual communities and the individual. Pe- I don't know though, because this isn't even female dating strategy. This is just Lilith or Ro or whatever, and the fucking this new chick. People and the individual. The other two aren't even talking. Where families? <laughs> yeah, families structures. And by individually, you mean like you don't think government should be involved in any type of way? Put in a poll up again. I, I mean, I think balance is healthy. Okay. <laughs> you know. You mean like I guess what you're saying individual individual morality or supporting individual morality? You mean that like the the idea that poll is up for five minutes, whatever the results are. The government should doing. not be involved in regulating morality. I think we should deregulate as much as possible to protect individual structures. So it's not just individuals people, right? I think we conflate individual to just mean individual human beings, but no, we're talking about individual structures too, like family structures, small businesses that aren't giant Yeah, there's a fucking so snooze. I'm sorry. Uh, we, we gave it a try. No dice. But we are ripping through these episodes, huh? Alright, that was episode 31 of the Female Dating Strategy podcast, which is the Female Political Strategy podcast, which is actually its own podcast which we will not be watching. And on... What's up, Queens? It's your host. To episode 32 of the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, which is... Jezebel.com goes inside us. I don't know what that means, but God damn it, do I want to find out, and this will probably be more up our alley. So episode 32 of the Female What's Dating up, Strategy Podcast. What's up, Queens? It's your host, Queens? Ro. Do you like female dating strategies? No! Would you like to see us expand on a lot of different no! platforms? Then please sign up for our Patreon. We are no! currently targeting a $10,000 per month goal, which would allow us to podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And this is Savannah. And I'm Lilith. And finally, drum roll, please. The much-awaited, pretty much completely anticipated showdown with Jezebel.com. Infamous, libfem, pick me, hive. Yeah, now the we're talking. Of everything. Now we're talking just a bunch of chicks cat fighting with each other on the internet this is what we came for people wrong with sex posse feminism created by and for libfem pick me's yep just to say this particular showdown unbeknownst to us has been in the making for the past 12 months and the writer tracy clark flurry right has had a that's a roasting from FDS a year ago. So basically, in February of this year, Tracy Clark Flory, she's a senior editor, I believe, at Jezebel. Senior staff writer at Jezebel covering sex, gender, and feminism. Author of Want Me. A se- she sounds fun. Sex writer's journey into the heart of desire. I'm sorry, but the title, Want Me, it's like, pick me, choose me, want me. Even the title is pick me. Even the title is pick me. And she couldn't even resist. In February of this year, she wrote that book called Want Me. And she was basically doing a press tour for all these different newspapers and magazines plugging her book. And she wrote an article on Jezebel.com describing her quote-unquote sexual journey. Didn't she also write the article, Do the Patriarchy to Me? Yeah, so so one of the articles that she wrote was on Jezebel.com was literally titled, Do the Patriarchy to Me. And it is the most pick-me bullshit I feel like we've read in a long time, right? So our Twitter lit her ass up. Not like a regular roast. Let we didn't show any mercy. <laughs> no mercy. Oh, it wasn't just like a roast to scrote where you go, you're a loser. Like straight up, we cremated this bitch. We dropped this, we dropped Whoa. their asses to a kiln, right? <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't respond until this week. She didn't respond. She didn't respond until now. Until this others. week where she wrote this article. So I want to talk about. Okay, so 
I want to read you a couple excerpts from this article that people took issue with. So apparently Do the Patriarchy to Me is an excerpt from her book, Want Me. So first of all, first of all, what our readers took issue with and what our Twitter took issue with is that the photo to this article is actually really, really graphic. You're seeing a girl with her hair pulled back um, and obviously like giving fellatio to some dick off camera, but like her neck's really snapped back. So it's it's kind of an, it looks like an aggressively brutal. It looks like a face fucking, yeah. She's basically choking on a dick, yeah. And that's the imagery there. And so first of all, a lot of our users um, were just like triggered by that off rip or like, why would you put this? For women who have been sexually assaulted, seeing that image was the phrase do the patriarchy to me. Even if you do genuinely have the desire to be degraded, it bothers me when women put these sorts of articles out there because one, men see that shit and they think, oh, women like to be abused. Women love the patriarchy. Women love to be oppressed. That's why I should treat them like shit. Secondly, like other girls look at that and there's an element of social contagion there. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is basically her feeling insecure because of like porn and then having a lot of casual sex and what she basically uses to self-abuse. The opening paragraph of this article goes like this. It was an unforgettable, instantly recognizable sound. Glug, glug, glug. Gagging until tears, mascara smearing (laughs) like that of horror movie herons. There was saliva, so much of it, frothy and thick, desperately spit out amid gasping breaths or else escaping from the sides of one's mouth. A face held between palms or hanging over the arm of a couch. Men saying, take it or good girl or choke on it. Here I have to ask myself, am I writing a love poem or a feminist polemic? That was so disgustingly graphic. Like, it is so graphic for no benefit as well. She's basically describing the average... So disgusting and graphic. Anyways, guys, I gotta be... Gotta go take a... Quick break. Violent porn scene. Yes. Most porn has that clip in it where the woman has her head over the back of the couch or uh, over the arm of the couch or whatever, or just like the violent face fucking, this like degrading shit. Yeah, so the rest of it's like her describing her. It just feels very self-masturbatory, right? So it's like the rest of it is her describing like navigating all these videos and like masturbating herself. <sighs> Gosh, I'm I'm writing about Where deep throating, face fucking videos, scenarios involving women to various degrees, passive or active, during a blow job. And then she talks about how you know she watches. She's basically porn sick. This is a woman who's porn sick, essentially. Yeah, deeply porn sick. We talk about men being porn sick, but women can be porn sick too. Yeah, so she's she's basically saying the rest of this is like she fakes orgasms with partners, basically admits to being a cool girl because she's like watching these videos like trying to be the kind of sexual fantasy she thinks these men want at the end there's this okay. dialogue where she says he was the first man with whom i'd never fake just posted the link in the chat by the way an orgasm whoa, whoa. <laughs> so girl <laughs> you're saying you've faked an orgasm with every man you've ever had sex with oh, that's such a self-owned but it's not even just like laughing at her or doing this it's the fact that like the jezzies have long since been the type of people that uh, they, they consider their uh, progressive sexual politics and the fact that they can take this kind of abuse. And like here is like her in her now mid 30s actually stopping to analyze that. But I'm like, you've been writing for Jezebel for what, like a decade? And it's almost like she's getting this from because I've read a lot of erotica in my time. Like it's almost like she's trying to be a good erotic writer. And like sometimes in these books as well, you would get a line. Um, this was most I guess prominent when I read a book like Fifty Shades of Grey where it was trying to be sexy and it wasn't where you could tell the author thought yeah this is going to make them really wet and it literally like dries you up faster than a pap smear but this line do the patriarchy I was like what? Like, what? how is this? this disturbing what? it's actually disturbing like it's like she can't dream yes, of another narrative this is very disturbing this is all very for her sexual experience she like disturbing. has to it's almost like she voluntarily and then happily frames all of her sexual experiences through the male gaze and also but trying to link it to feminism as well when it's clearly not it's very disturbing yeah i, I get the sense of a woman who's like really really internalized a lot of the porn culture narratives doing like very specific porn induced acts that probably weren't part of the national conversation until porn really blew up right like so you know that this is at least cult- so at least partially culturally influenced and if you criticize it all they'll be like you're you're sex negative or you're not feminist yeah exactly so they're, they're reflexively 
antagonistic towards anybody that might say like, hey, sis, you might be a little bit porn sick. Yeah, you might want to examine like your problematic relationships. And she, she even describes oh, a scenario where like, so she has one part of this article or another article of the review of her book where she says after her mother was diagnosed with cancer, uh, Clark Flory asked one man to choke her so aggressively he left bruises. She even slept with her favorite male porn star, recreating an act she'd seen him perform with women. The ultimate representation of men's desire, quote unquote, that made her vomit. So she literally is like vomiting. She's having such rough sex. Like she's self-abusing through sex. So some people can react differently to traumatic news. Oh, was this the chick that banged uh, James Dean? I think I remember her having cancer this. or a parent passing away. But she's just not really doing that. Um, yeah, she's not really connecting the dots. And I just think it's quite irresponsible to make it so graphic when it was clearly quite a traumatic experience. This is experience what the women want. Almost, it's almost as if she's bragging about the experience while simultaneously saying that. I mean, not even simultaneously saying that it came from quite a dark place as well. She's pornifying us, right? She's exposing us to more porn when she talks about this. So there's like a sensational, ex- there's almost like a, um, a creepy grooming aspect to it, right? Rather than like describing what happened, doing the critical analysis, I think a lot of people would take a step further, especially radical feminists and saying like, okay, here's where these images came from. Here's the responsibility I have to myself or the responsibility I have to either womankind as a whole, but also like critical analysis of how uh, this affects us as a sex class. None of that's here. She just basically settles on like, I want my husband to do the patriarchy to me. I'm sorry, but you can say that this behavior is possibly feminist, but you weren't thinking of Simone de Beauvoir or Andrea Dawkins when you were going out and shagging these men. Who the fuck is that? getting them to choke you. Yeah, Andrew Dorkin would be turning over into her grave if she knew that this woman was saying this was feminist. They refuse to platform like radical feminist critical thought for that reason, because I feel like a lot of the stuff is called out and how a lot of the violence and sex is the result of pornographic infiltration of our culture. But like one, Jezebel seems to just completely reject that as like a general editorial voice. And then two, there's no resolution to this other than like, she doesn't want to actually do any type of reflexive analysis of how this is affecting all of us, really. It's just like, look at me. Somehow they could make this just not interesting look at me look at me i'm so cool yeah she doesn't think about how other women reading her articles or even men reading her articles she doesn't think about the impact of that writing on women i mean she's team patriarchy she's literally saying she's team patriarchy yeah she, yeah she's team patriarchy shout out to the patriarchy we love you patriarchy but she's like just bombarding us with like her pornographic iterations like it just comes across very i mean like- she was in a porn i think this this chick specifically she's you know She's a liberal, very, she's a feminist and all this stuff is so empowering. The entire article, right? And I think people don't like being part of her public self-masturbation with absolutely like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It feels like icky to read this shit. It feels like an exhibitionist fetish, right? You know, some people like they want to have sex in public or whatever because they get off on like people seeing them stuff. This feels like I'm being part of her sexual fantasy against my consent. Like I'm reading this article about her her fucked up sex life. (laughs) She's like, I I feel feel like like I'm I'm being part of this article against my consent. So then don't read the article. Part of the fetish for her. But anyways, even the Jezzies are tearing up in the comments for like the complete disregard for the graphicness of the, the imagery as well as the um the prose that she writes in here meaning like in the comments they're like we find this really triggering some of this is getting like giving her ptsd vibes and she's like it's graphic it's bad and i've been unable to escape it on this site meaning like jezebel has just decided to kind of aggressively groom their audience with i mean graph- their opinion is this article's bad but in my opinion this is probably gonna be the only jezebel article i'll ever read in my life from beginning to end so that's something like sexual graphic sexual violence so anyway so that's the context in which we started dragging tracy clark flurry on twitter so <laughs> fuck i remember reading jezebel when i was in my like late teens early 20s 
I remember when I used to agree with some of this shit. I'm like cringing, <laughs> cringing at my past self. Jezebel used to be relevant for young women anyways. It's not anymore. Yeah, it, it's not anymore. And I feel like a big part of it is because of shit like this. I guess the clickbaity shock value sex, right? Rather than charting a path forward for enjoyable sex for women. It's like every single writer there was just talking about like their never ending trauma and journey to being a pick me while pretending to be a feminist, right? They never did. <laughs> they like never did the step they needed to do to actually become empowered. So on to the hit piece that she wrote. Bearing in mind, right, I knew this was going to be a steaming pile of crap because I was surprised to see it on Twitter that she'd Twitter. written an article about FDS. She hadn't approached us or any of the mod team as far as we're aware. So she was basically getting all her information from the subreddit alone. Not even Why from the so subreddit. Loud. She quotes in like the second paragraph, people who hate us. She quotes Dominique Sisley as though she's a fucking source. Dominique Sisley? <laughs> Where the hell was I for a quote? Imagine being that bad as a journalist. You don't even contact the people you're writing about. You quote the people who hate them. If you guys have forgotten about Dominic Sicily, we gave her um, her own roasted several months back. The episode is Vice Media Comes to the Queens. To give her a slice of credit, she did approach FDS, but then she literally just, we may as well, we may as well not have bothered, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, she already wrote the article she was going to write and then was just looking for some kind of quote to validate. She may as well not have bothered. Yeah, whatever she was going to say. But again, this is, this is not like, um, this is not a legit legitimate piece of journalism where they talk about both sides and like that and try to give a balanced view of the issue. I mean, she says in the middle of the article, we'll talk about it later, where she's like, FDS has previously criticized me, blah, blah, blah. So she buries in the middle of the article, but it's very clear that this is just getting back at us for dragging her picking us. It's her stupid book on Twitter, right? So yeah, and, and to be clear about this, she even says point blank. Ladies, can't we all just get along? Um, huh? in, or in one of the interviews she does to plug her. See, see how the patriarchy is so successful at just tearing these chicks apart and making them fight against each other? Honestly, the patriarchy is so sick. Book that, like, as a young middle class hetero cis woman, she was often plucked to wade into the culture wars, defending so called hookup culture as empowering and enthralling. Clark Flory plumbed her own experience as evidence, but as she writes, I swarmed with contradiction. I was a bona fide sex writer who sang the feminist gospel of sexual pleasure, but my personal life made me feel like an imposter. And, like, and that's just ultimately, you know, she said she was sowing her wild oath, but rarely experiencing oh. pleasure herself as she was more consumed with playing out what she thought men wanted from her. So, like, yeah, pick me. Like, the entire book is All like, right. this is why I was a gigantic pick me for a decade, right? So, she, so basically, we dragged for this because we're like it was really really irresponsible for you to have like one narrative that you were doing publicly and then a completely different narrative that was playing out behind the scenes not to mention just like this is god awful level pick me for anybody really but it's especially pick me for a person who purports to be a feminist sex writer i think like the saddest part is is that i just wonder how many young women and girls really took in what she was saying and just hopefully a lot decided you know yeah i'm gonna do the same thing and ended up having like a horrible time i think part of the reason why women i mean it's just part of the little experience of life you know you learn you suck a bunch of dicks and, i mean you know, so i know that's how my story is sexuality is often a secondary thought is that we just don't have honest conversations and the media is so so powerful especially like lilith was saying you know jezebel can be quite popular amongst you know young which media savannah which media which one say it women and it used to be relevant for young women it used to be relevant i i read these sorts of articles at a time where i would be dating porn sick guys and they'd be showing me porn about stuff that they want to do and i would be like and, and i'm ashamed to admit it because at the time i had a similar i at the time i had a mentality that was not unlike tracy clark flory where not thinking about what i want or what my pleasure is but oh i get off on 
being sexually appealing to the man or i i get I, I enjoy the crumbs of affection that he gives me but it's that crumbs of affection when i do something fucking depraved for him is part of the grooming process right so we need to be able to have critical discussions about why is it that women enjoy sacrificing their own pleasure for the man like why exactly why yeah women women are not having orgasms but are what up throating or thinking that deep throating is hot is it because we actually enjoy it or is it because that's what men demand of us and we think oh if we want men to like us this is what we have to do exactly but do we have to do it that's the thing fds is saying no you don't have to do it you don't have to do it but it just it feels weird that like so many of the quote-unquote feminist thought leaders or like the people who are given these large media platforms are just devastatingly bad pick me's right yeah i have fucking low self-esteem when i was doing that people who do this have low self-esteem yeah by the way shout out to all the ladies with low self-esteem we love you right because you don't have a sense of internalized worth if your worth comes from the attention that men give you then yeah you're going to be jumping through hoops trying to do the things that you get praised for what's important is to have a high sense of self-esteem and that way if men get mad at you because you won't let them do anal you won't give them a face fucking blowjob or whatever if your self-esteem is high you'll be like okay well fuck you like if you're mad at me because i won't do that for you then you can go fuck yourself right and you'll move exactly. on and you won't feel like there's something wrong with you because you aren't interested in sexually degrading yourself it's almost expected that women's sexuality is an extension of a man's sexuality like men have that message but you know women like tracy clark flory they also push that narrative as well it's a trope at this point there's so many of these books and I, it's almost predictable and cliche there's so many of these books of women who are like i was a sex positive feminist and I was a sex writer and I was a relationship writer and I was doing all this stuff publicly. And then it comes out like they're doing, they're displaying one image in their twenties and then they hit like 30 or so. And then they suddenly have this retrospective where they want to talk about how society made them do all that stuff. And then they have almost like this smug sense of like self-importance with this kind yeah, of. Yeah. Well, it's just cause you can't, what happens is you can't be that forever. So then they kind of reach a point they go, Oh, Thing. it's almost like this i want to call it like white liberal porn right like where where you start you start from like this sex posy attitude is that a category on pornhub and then suddenly you want everyone to pay attention to you while you relearn the lessons of the same things that women or like other feminists have been saying for a long time that you ignored and didn't pay attention to yeah that's the other thing is we w feminists have been saying this kind of shit like radical feminists have been criticizing sex posy sex posy culture for decades and what bothers me is even when she goes on her whole redemption tour they'll say the things that rad have been saying all of this whole redemption tour is pretty funny fucking time yeah so i think we w at first want to just roast how bad like the actual writing is before we get into the content over to you Lilith. yeah over to you Lilith. so my first thought reading this article so just roast away on me and my perspective on this article is that um in university i used to be a peer mentor we our university had a program for freshmen who couldn't afford to hire a private tutor where you could go to the library there's there's a student learning center you can find volunteers who then help you you know improve your papers right so that's what i did i volunteered coaching freshmen how to improve their college level writing and one of the things that I see all the time in unsophisticated or, you know, high school level writing is what's called. Oh, shots fired, by the way, saying that this is high school level writing. This woman writes for Jezebel. I will have, you know, to say that that's high school level writing. That's at least first year of and so college. So I always tell my mentees, never float a quote. If you have a quote, you have to, you can't just like throw it in there randomly and expect the reader to understand why you put that quote in there. You have to engage with the quote. The, the purpose of having a quote should be to analyze it. I love how they're trying to critically be like, you know what? This Jezebel.com, this is not real high quality journalism. How many Pulitzer surprises has Jezebel won? Not to have words that you want to write, but like, you're just too lazy to come up with the words yourself. So you just put someone else's quote in there, right? I see this pattern in almost every single paragraph of this article dragging FDS, where she'll make an outrageous claim about us and then put a random quote next to it. 
but not actually explain the quote or the context. Like it's a cherry picked quote that she's taken out of context and she just expects the outrageous claim to go unchallenged because she's put a quote next to it. Even though the quote very often is completely unrelated to the outrageous claim that she's making, right? If I received this as a, you know, this is my paper, like, how can I improve this kind of thing? I'd be like, yeah, you're floating your quotes. You need to contextualize the, the quotes more. You need to actually engage with the quotes in an analytical way. There's just no critical analysis. It's just very, it reads a lot like, a, you know, a freshman level, you know, fresh out of high school, never written a college paper before. It's just bad writing. That's all I have to say about it. It's just bad writing. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of... Um, I love how, like, they're going after female dating strategy. She goes, well, the writing's bad. Decided a narrative and then I cherry pick quotes out of context to build said narrative. It's like a freshman, they decide, they decide on their thesis statement first before doing any research. And then they go out there and try to find information that proves their thesis. And then they go out there trying to find evidence. They can't find any evidence, so they just twist whatever narrative or they find bad sources. First of all, she doesn't cite any. Yeah, it's called journalism right now. What you are describing is journalism in this era. Like, you have a standard for journalism that kind of no longer exists anymore. This is what kind of everybody does. This stuff, right? Which is, I think, deliberate because if she actually links to where these quotes came from. And, and all I did was honestly just try to Google her, uh, just type some of these quotes she took from FDS into Google to see if I could find the actual original post. So I found a few of them. And then when you read the entire post, it just doesn't say what she says it is or sometimes is like directly contradictory. And so it, it definitely seems... By the way, 15 more likes and I'll give away another channel membership to a potential new scroped. Like she didn't understand the community whatsoever. She doesn't understand FDS. It looks like she had a very cursory understanding of it, decided to frame it as like an ancillary to red pill because that's literally the laziest way to do it. That's how everybody kind of does. And we are very upset at the disrespect, to be honest. We're not red pilled. We're female incels. God damn it. We are fucking anti red pill. We're counter. Uh, I don't know about that. These chicks are saying a lot of the same shit that you hear Andrew Tate say. We're counter red pill, okay? And also, I feel like disrespectful to our work and our thought, right? Why do we have to always be framed in the context of men? They won't do the work of understanding the community to get the nuance going. They just want the clickbaity headline, and because they know it's easier for. It's fucking Jezebel. Yeah, they want clickbait headline. The goddamn picture in this article is some chick sucking a dude off. People to hate on us if they just think we're a female red pill. But even with like the cursory, like even if you just take a look at the front page and then you look at the red pill front page, if FDS was like the red pill, it would be, oh, I'm going to see my sick dick this evening. Oh, like how can I scam this guy into sleeping with me? Like, or how I tricked Uh, hello? How can I? That's I think that is a lot of the how can I scam this guy into sleeping with me? No, claiming paternity for a child that wasn't his. I mean, maybe not quite scam, but <laughs> if FTS was like the red pill or the manosphere, that's the sort of shit we'd be saying. But we don't say that because we don't even. Do you know what I mean like we don't even want the same outcomes at all? <laughs> like, at so... all. We're not pickup artists. We're put them back artists. <laughs> yeah, put them down artists. Yeah. Boo. Put their ass back. And breaking up with someone is not fucking manipulation. I got I got DMs all the time from like Scrotes and Pick Me saying that uh, walking away at the first sign of disrespect and being willing to break up with someone is manipulating their abandonment issues. And I'm like, fuck off. Okay. I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. You are allowed to break up with anyone for any obviously it's different if you're like, if you don't do this, then I'm gonna break up with you. That's giving someone an ultimatum. Obviously that's not okay. But if someone does something that you don't like and you just end the relationship with that person, that's just that's just consequences. Free choice in America and Canada and UK. That's just free choice. <laughs> Dems the brakes, guys. <laughs> I thought these people were all about choosy choice feminism. But Savannah apparently... with her laughing at her shitty jokes. Apparently choosing not to do what men want is not an option to them. <laughs> well, we don't choose to do what men want. It's a problem for men, but also feminists, apparently. But yeah. She, she actually tries to frame this. Sounds like y'all are the wrong ones, don't it? We're being the pygmies here. Yeah. So let's start with the first paragraph. So the, the title of the article is Inside Female Dating Strategy, the subreddit that teaches women to level up against scrotes and fuckboys. Found in reaction to the red pill, it's an example of everything that can go wrong when 
quote, keeping the enemy closer. Pick me story time. Female dating strategy wants to help women navigate the horrors of heterosexuality. The growing subreddit describes a dating landscape in which women are up against everything from sexual assault to reproductive control, the orgasm gap to the sexual double standard. Facts. Yeah, the, like these are all legitimate problems that women are facing. So, so far, so good. Correct. Um, but for FDS, the prescription isn't political, but rather looks like something from a 1950s dating manual. Women should tailor their personalities and engineer their dating life in order to get what they want from men. <laughs> So that's just, I mean, this is just slander now. This is literally slander. <laughs> what literally say the opposite? Oh, again, a slander. Dating man would be like, make sure to get on your knees and take off your husband's boots the moment he walks through the door and like cook him a meal and stuff. Ladies, that is great advice. This you is all great advice. Thanks, Queens. We appreciate you. FDS handbook. I honestly think we got to go. Like, someone should start like a YouTube channel where it's like the FDS out of context and you just post shit like that. You might have gone to Red Pill Women and just got us confused. Yeah. So also the comment about women should engineer their personalities and their dating life in order to get what they want from men. I'm not exactly sure what she's referring to, but we're talking talking what fds says is we say you should level up your self-esteem be a high value woman have high standards and high boundaries i feel like saying oh you're engineering your personality to get a man that's again peak darvo like like <laughs> this, this is what you were doing all these years right yeah like loving Two yourself more and liking yourself yeah that's a good strategy <laughs> yeah like she was the one talking about giving blowjobs to men and thinking it was hot to sexually be sexually servicing men she's the one who's yeah well, what's wrong with that good for her tailoring herself for men so yeah, it's just also. Well, if that's what she likes, and that's what she likes. I mean, yeah, I can see guys complaining about and that. And the thing about it is, she says the prescription isn't political. And this is a theme in the rest of the article where she says that we have no political interest, which is just false. But I'm also just wondering. Oh, uh, hello. They just had um, a female political strategy episode. Mm-hmm. Last uh, episode, sis, you uh, stupid how do you idiot. To govern men's sexuality, right? Like in a dating and sex sphere, it's like, are we supposed to confiscate Tinder from Scrotes or <laughs> ban Scrotes from Hinge? No. That's going to be, I'm going to run for office and that's going to be my platform. So let's continue. Um, she says, in the parlance of the subreddit, women should avoid worthless scrotes and should always avoid slanging pussy to fuck boys. Fact. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling bad about any of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ashamed of that. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> she says, women should also maximize their looks. Your beauty, confidence, good company is a commodity and you can get anything from men that crave just that, writes one FDS poster. That's men do anything and everything to gain attention from women. So this is an example of floating a quote. She says, she's trying to imply that fds is like lookist and that we tell women that you should look really hot for a man that's what she's implying that's the outrageous claim and you should chooses is your beauty confidence and company like two of those three things are not look related beauty confidence and good company the other thing is it takes the quote out of context the context of this quote isn't saying you need to look max it's saying that you have worth as a woman men want you to be around you because of just the way that you are as a woman and you need to understand your power and leverage that so you know men will do anything to get attention from women by the way i just realized i could probably add more uh scrote emojis i mean it's not so like it has nothing to do with looks maxing yeah it's just discussing the kinds of things that they value this is a currency that men yeah tend to traffic in and let's not be delusional men do care about looks so we're not telling women to get uh, breast implants and dye your hair blonde and like get fucking fillers and shit like you won't see but that's the thing like when she says women should maximize their looks she's implying that that's the sort of advice that we would give but the closest thing that she could get was your beauty confidence and good company two of those things are not look related so anyways Uh, they're not not look related to the broader manosphere the collection of online communities united in feminist backlash even the description of the subreddit has shades of the manosphere quote we focus on dating strategies for women who want to take control of their dating lives end quote it reads Compare that to the notoriously misogynistic The Red Pill subreddit, quote, discussion of sexual strategy in a culture increasingly lacking a positive identity for men. 
See, they're not even the same thing. Like, we're talking about dating. Whoa, you're then- getting a little worked up there, Savannah. You look kind of ugly when you get angry. We're talking about sexual strategy. I mean, you know, sexual strategy is part of dating. But the red pill is, like, literally only referring to that. They're not talking about dating. They're talking about sex. They're not the same thing. <laughs> I mean, she took, she pulled those quotes because they both contain the word strategy. But she doesn't take into account what the end goal is and what the strategies actually are. So, FDS, the strategy is to avoid abuse or to avoid being exploited or experiencing bad treatment from men. We talk about who want to take control of their dating lives because a lot of women feel like they have no control in their dating life because we live in a patriarchal world where women generally don't have as much power as men. And so we're a strategy to help women feel more powerful in the dating world. And the red pill is more about like this quote, discussion of sexual strategy and culture increasingly lacking a positive identity for men. That's just PR for like, this is for men who want to just fuck a bunch of women. Like, that's their goal. Their goal is to maintain the patriarchy. Our goal is to end the patriarchy. So literally the opposite goals. So well, should we continue? Um... As Madeline Holden at Mel observed, both communities are gender essentialists and see heterosexual relationships as the ultimate prize requiring ruthless strategizing and gaming. It's true. At FDS, we don't think heterosexual relationships are the ultimate prize. A happy life for a woman with her No, wife. the ultimate prize of female dating strategy is dating on the carousel until you eventually die alone. Without a man. But you die with your dignity. The ultimate prize. Yeah. We, we, By the way, I just checked. We're four memberships away from me unlocking 11 new emojis. Uh, not that anybody, maybe some of you care, but anyways. Tell women we'll, all the time. We'll get there pretty soon. We'll have four more pretty soon. You should be happy single so that when you do eventually date, the man has to be really awesome in order for him to add value to that. And so one of the more important things, lessons with FDS is decentering men from your life. When you go into dating, being desperate and like wanting a man at all costs, that causes you to engage in pick me behavior. When you go into it thinking that, oh, I don't need a man. I don't need a relationship. It puts you in a much more powerful position. So you basically need to. Yes. I mean, agreed. If you can, it's one of those negotiating strategies where you go, yeah, if you will, if you can walk away from the table completely. That's a strong negotiating uh, position, but uh, you might wind up. Benchmark men against yourself as opposed to benchmarking them against each other, because then you'll probably make a much better decision as to which one you want to be with. Exactly. Man, I wish I could have had a time machine. I could just go 30 years in the future just because we could see how these broads end up. So yeah, ultimate prize at FDS is to be a high-value woman and have a great life, with or without a man. And she, she doesn't actually cite a source. Like, I was thinking when I was reading this, state your sources. Like, she's basically quoting somebody else who's got it wrong, and that's her source. Like, this would this would not fly in academia at all. Like, <laughs> at all. Again, instead of contacting... She didn't even contact anyone from FDS. She didn't put a source on the subreddit. Yeah, again, it would be like writing a history of the Vikings, but then only quoting, like, the English monks who got raided by the Vikings. So... You know, you're cho- you're only choosing to platform the haters. Yeah, like... yeah. Mel Magazine is a uh, the magazine for Dollar Shave Club for men. So of course they hate us, right? Like, what? Mel Magazine. They're they're a free magazine distributed by the Dollar Shave Club for men. So why you would look at their writers and think they were? Is this true? I don't even know. No. Going to accurately assess who we are seems pretty insane. Yeah, it would be like writing a, a biography about Andrea Dorkin, but then only instead of you know reading anything that andrea dorkin actually wrote then only quoting the people who called her like a fat ugly femme cell or whatever right so um yeah you're not going to get a complete narrative doing that anyways dominique we continue dominique sicily advice pointed out that both rely on biological determinism determinism and clickish jargon which again like clickish jargon like every subreddit has in-group jargon right in-group shorthand right like that's just the nature of like scrotes which we love and low value males and 
subreddit. Yeah, Negative value mails. Their own jargon to refer to whatever like industry or group it is. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't. You don't see people saying, "Oh, like you have your own in-group jargon," just like the red pill. Like the red pill NFTs. We're not the only ones that have our own. I mean, I agree that is a pretty flimsy comparison. I mean, yeah, Jezebel has their own in-group jargon to call everybody whores. Not by a long shot. Let's just do a recap. So up until now, what we have in common with the red pill is we have uh, the word strategy in one of our taglines and also we use subreddit shorthand let's make a list actually bro you want to keep tabs like right right down uh. oh, i'm gonna keep tabs i'm keeping track things that fds has in common with the red pill is one using the word strategy <laughs> two uh talking about relationships three um having in-group language on a subreddit which is all of the subreddits all of the subreddits have this yeah so <clears throat> the manosphere for example has average frustrated chimps or afc <laughs> AFCs. That's fucking funny, though. Anyways, meaning men who aren't good with women and their supposed opposite, the alpha male of the group, or AMOG. <laughs> I'd never heard of that before this article, but that's... I'm sorry that we had to be subjected to this. Yeah. Incels are nothing if they're not funny, to be honest, sometimes. Like, sometimes the things that they go to, you gotta just... Savannah has maybe the worst laugh on the fucking planet. Chef's kiss for, like, the absolute (laughs) cell phone, to be honest. (laughs) So she continues. One of the primary aims of FDS is getting commitment from HVM... Hold on a second. Like, my ear's bleeding. On their own terms parentheses fds's disregard for certain types of men with men it also has little respect for women they call pygmishas a woman in thrall of pygmy culture who will do anything for a man to pick them like shout out to the pygmies by the way guys love a good pygmy um i don't know do you have any commentary on that yeah we want to date guys often are pygmies too that's the thing too it's like it's not like there's just pygmies and women it's like there's men pygmies probably more men pygmies than girl pygmies someone good yeah, we want a high-quality partner. It's just like it's unbecoming of a woman to be a pick-me because it's a thing that more of like a guy does, I guess. But That's not like revolutionary. The thing about this is like it's just shorthand for you want to date someone who has value to you of some kind. Whenever people criticize this language, they're never really like, they never really criticize the idea behind it so much as they're just mad that we made a shorthand for it, which seems weird to me. Yeah. Again, it's it's the Hitler drank water too fallacy. Like I, I always do that whenever people make these kinds of comparisons. It's like, oh, do you drink water? You know who else drank water? Hitler. Therefore, you're just like Hitler. Like, you know, um, you find whatever tangential connection between two things to say that they're the same. So anyways, these parallels are by design. FDS was started in reaction. I can't believe we're finding out that Jezebel is not real hard-hitting journalism. To the notorious men's rights subreddit, The Red Hill. No, we fucking were. We were started in reaction to bad dating advice on Reddit for women. A bunch of women suffering in the dating world, okay? It wasn't even, like, necessary for us to react to Red Pill because just the regular, regular dating advice that was going on on Reddit was really 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 bad it was influenced by the red pill yeah, and, yeah to be oh fair. so it was influenced by the red pill the truth comes out it only took jezebel to expose them some of that was influenced by the red pill but some of that was just normal ass they literally just went from oh it wasn't nothing nothing to do with the red pill and then within the same paragraph they're like yeah i guess the red pill had something to do writing with terrible advice and being like oh your man's uninterested in you sexually have you tried watching porn and jerking off while he plays video games but have you Oh, he uh, broke your dog's legs and choked you out the last time he was mad at you. Um, have you tried communicating? You might want to get a couple therapists for that. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than like fucking run, you know? Yeah. Like insane things, dangerous things to women. That's that's what female dating strategy was created in response to. But the deepest similarity between FDS and the broader manosphere is more than winking. Ac- <laughs> Even she says that so far there's very tangential connection. She's like, uh, it's more than winking acronymic references and romantic strategizing. Both perceive the world as unjust only from a drastically different perspective, either tilting 
in women or in men's favor i mean yeah we're talking about patriarchy is she really doing the whole like both sides have it bad thing well so like the paragraph she basically says that everything is both just sides do have it bad surface level everything she mentioned before seems is basically surface level and now she's trying to say like our general ethos is the same but i'm like what but all you're describing is is, is patriarchy right i mean she's basically uh, let me finish this paragraph so in both cases that unfairness the rigged game of it all is used to justify an unapologetically selfish approach that strategically controls and exploits other people so a couple things to unpack there one uh we we live in a patriarchy you know male supremacy is real shout out to the boys um, and so by saying that fds and the red pill are the same like she's basically forgetting that misogyny exists it's again this is supposed to be a feminist magazine and this is where i kind of say or like i think they changed their their tagline to a supposedly feminist website because people kept calling them on their bullshit so much <laughs> But this is kind of one of those things where um, in her quest to kind of say to basically both sides this argument or just say that we just have so many uh, parallels to the red pill. I feel like she inadvertently she ends up validating the red pill. Yeah, she's validating the red pill. And I guess I would love to hear her explain what she believes patriarchy is then. The, the idea behind patriarchy is that like men are at advantage in society. And that doesn't that doesn't exclude dating, sex and relationships. In fact, like that's arguably that can be like the biggest place where patriarchy ends up playing out. Yeah. And then the second half, she says the unfairness, the rigged game of it all is used to justify an unapologetically selfish approach that strategically controls and exploits other people. Here's the thing. FDS, we tell women how to spot red flags and then break up with him if he does this stuff. And yeah, you know, yeah. like we're not interested red in flags like if he wants to go on a coffee date. <laughs> massive red flags we just don't want to be around them and not to mention it's it's pretty impossible i love being around all you low value men so i just want you to know that i mean unless unless you're like a next level sociopath it's it's just impossible and it's a waste of your time it's a waste of your time and energy to try to game men that way i mean who cares like it's like getting blood out of a stone trying to exploit a low value man there's nothing to exploit (laughs) they have nothing to provide to you that's not true boys don't listen to her them don't listen to the mean woman we all have things to give <laughs> yeah the reason why the red pill tries to exploit women is because they want they need things from us which is validation sex and company mommy mcbang may type shit yeah like women actually provide things of value all the things we describe that men value they need those things from us more so than we necessarily get it from them until we've learned to live without it yeah so. <laughs> but the most annoying thing about this quote is that she's She's talking about like the tactics that the red pill uses, which are basically emotional abuse, like negging, dread game. There's a lot of red pill tactics that are basically, dread game. basically just like straight up manipulation and emotional abuse or even just straight up abuse. Like what we do is we just break up with men when they're being shitty. So I really think it's actually very fucked up to compare emotional abuse and to say that breaking up with your emotional abuser is just as bad as being emotional abusive right that's basically what she's saying she's like saying breaking up with someone who's emotionally abusing you is equally as bad as emotionally abusing someone is pretty much the secret meaning behind that continuing on these communities have a fundamental shared politics even as they stand in supposed opposition to one another it's a neoliberal ideology of self-interest individualism personal responsibility and political apathy quote you really have to know what game you're playing the game men have created and control writes one poster pretending to be naive stupid or giving riffraff a chance against your instinctive better judgment only cements your position as a loser in this game what's wrong with that once again not sure where this quote is from again this is an example of floating a quote where she makes the outrageous claim and then follows that up with a quote that's not related to the outrageous claim so she's not providing any evidence to actually back up what she's saying it's so you think she has evidence to back up what she's saying basically but she doesn't yeah and the whole thing about that is like again just oh this is we're, we're, we've been called neoliberals now so i just want to be clear what's the tally of things we've been called we've been called fascists we've been called leftists we've been called conservatives uh we've been called pretty much every single thing 
What I find interesting is that she doesn't really uh, present the alternative. The only thing they haven't been called is right. Alternative to what she would call neoliberal ideology of self-interest, individual, personal responsibility, and political apathy. We're talking about sex and dating. But she, she takes our, uh, our strategies of trying to survive it as tacit acceptance of it. or that's Survive the- dating? Shut the fuck up. Oh, how are we ever going to survive dating? You're I not. Do, like, you're going to die alone. This patriarch reverend that we think it's fine. No, it's just that you have to do a two-pronged strategy. Like, you can't... You know, I just had the realization. What if... What if female dating strategy... What if the podcast never ends? Like, what if they do it for another 10 years? Do I have to do this for another 10 years? Sweet God. You can't operate in a world in the future that doesn't exist. Of course, it'd be great if things were different, but it's going to take time to do that. And most of us are going to be dating and having relationships. So what are we going to do for women here and now while you have these lofty future, undetermined future goals? Everyone's talking about upending the patriarchy, upending the patriarchy. First of all, when you're talking about political action, that takes a very long time. But secondly, when it comes to like your personal relationships, like that is individual. Like, like you have to set the standard. You have to create consequences within your dating and sexual space against not complying with uh, basic decency or the, or the standards that we send, we set in our relationship. And so you have to be aware of the factors contributing to that so you know how to respond accordingly. And that's what makes FDS FDS. So moving on. But in guarding against the red pill, FDS seems to have absorbed its basic values. So basically she's making the case that even though FDS tries to be anti-red pill or guards themselves against red pill, by keeping your enemy close, you become like your enemy is basically the case that she's trying to make. So she continues on, the red pill delusionally believes we live in a world that benefits women to the detriment of men. Okay, she's finally addressing the the whole gynocracy is shit kind of thing. So gynocracy. Particularly when it comes to sex and relationships, this perceived injustice is rooted in evolutionary psychology, specifically the idea that women are biologically designed to sleep with alphas in the interest of securing good genes for their offspring while relying on sad beta providers. Additionally, says the red pill... (laughs) Feminism has emerged as a sexual strategy. Shout out to the, all the sad beta providers. Allowing women to reach the best position they can find to select mates, to determine when they want to switch mates, to locate the best DNA possible, and to garner the most resources they can individually achieve. The red pill is a corrective designed to allow men to get what they want, despite supposed evo psych setbacks and the rise of feminism. So imagine building an entire uh, strategy and philosophy around the idea that you just found out yesterday that women want to fuck attractive men. That's like that's basically the red pill in a nutshell. Is like someone told them in their life that a woman was going to love them for them and then they saw all the like attractive tall sexy men get fucked a lot and they're like i was lied to someone told them that they were going to get a wife by basically doing nothing right just like their dads did because before with patriarchy we've talked about this again now i will say this because same with the incel stuff we go like they're like oh we're in like involuntarily celibate and you're like oftentimes like they're not involuntarily celibate like there's always a woman there is a woman for every man it might not be the woman you think you deserve or vice versa but they're out there. You just keep lowering. I'm telling you, you keep lowering your standards, lowering your standards. If every week of your dating life, you just go, you know what? I'm just going to keep lowering my standards a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You'll find somebody. It's, it's This patriarchy there's, is there's hope out for men there. where it helps them to get a wife because women are economically dependent on them versus if women had a choice, we choose to have sex with more physically attractive men, right? Duh. Yeah. I, Duh. It's weird. <laughs> Who doesn't want to have sex yeah, it's with It's so crazy person, right? where it's like if you could be like some old gross dude, but you have a lot of status and money, you could just fuck hot young women. It's just nuts. Or a person they find attractive, yeah. They're upset about this though. The other implication of this article is she says the red pill delusionally believes. So she's admitting that like the red pill is wrong, but then she's building this case that FDS and the red pill are the same. So is she implying that misogyny or patriarchy is also delusional does she think that women are delusional for thinking that patriarchy exists yeah i don't know like i said it 
Correct. It's 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 not well written, so it's there's so many times where you can't really. It's not clear. Yeah, you can't. It's not clear. All right, like, you guys are a fucking animals, but we're only 15 more likes away from 200, and then I'll give away another channel membership. You goddamn animals. It's purposely ambiguous, and then she doesn't really, you know, explain her points. So, anyways, she continues. Similarly, FDS is deeply enthralled by evolutionary psychology around mating and reproduction, but specifically focuses on men competing for sexual access to women. A post on FDS website announces, alongside a comparison to chimpanzees, all males are hardwired to mate guard. From this belief in primate-like courtship in inclinations, women are encouraged to, quote, at all times, trigger that alleged guarding instinct and strictly serve sexual access for men who have demonstrated good character and significant investment. So what's wrong with only having sex with men who have demonstrated good character and significant investment? I think she's trying to tie the Evo Psych parallels here. But again, it's like she doesn't do an analysis of which ones she thinks are correct and which ones she thinks are incorrect. But she just points out the idea that they have Evo Psych here, so it must be... I just love listening to women fight with each other. Just the infighting. I don't know. It gives me some sort of Some kind of energy. wrong um, or insidious idea. But I'm also like, there's sort of, there's a bunch of Evo Psych out there. And there's a bunch of competing narratives. Jezebel has their own narrative that they take from Evo Psych. The question is, is like, why are we being lambasted for using Evo Psych to do an aggressively pro-female narrative? It looks like Red Pill is using Evo Psych to do an aggressively pro-male narrative. Jezebel has Evo Psych that they use to do certain types of narratives that they feel like benefits their bottom line. Right. Like, the, I guess I'm saying she hasn't explained why using Evo Psych is incorrect, especially when it's something that's very, very pervasive in media. Yeah. Evo Psych is like really in right now. Evo Psych is evolutionary psychology. A lot of people talk about Evo Psych, not just Red Pillars and FDS. Again, this is not unique to FDS. It's the Hitler drank water too fallacy. We just take aggressively uh, pro-female narratives for Evo Psych, right? We don't try to pretend that it's, um, we're trying to be fair, right? So I think these other places, but- I mean, there's no such thing as fair. fair the, the insidiousness of these other types of media that pretend that their Evo Psych is fair and balanced and without bias is that it's often bullshit. It's written by scrotes who live in academia. <laughs> who want to prove that women really like dad bods. So they make these bullshit- Women do love dad bods. There's something wrong with y'all. ...studies and then say, evolutionary psychology shows that women prefer men with big pot bellies because it shows that they're um, good providers and they could secure food resources. Uh -huh. And therefore dad That's bods right. are sexually superior to women than those guys with washboard abs, right? And we've seen studies like this be published by publications by like Jezebel, right? By like, Scrote so Weekly. We say, so when they say Evo Psych, when she when she references our references to Evo Psych, she doesn't really say that anything that we're referencing is necessarily wrong. Like she's writing it as though it's self-evident that using Evo Psych is bad, but she's not explained why it's bad. Because it's literally everywhere, including their website. So continuing on, women who do not withhold sex are seen as betraying the sisterhood. As a post on the FDS website puts it, slanging pussy to fuckboys creates male entitlement and reinforces their sexist worldview. I mean, it does. So Fact. we've made the comparison that women who have sex with men who have bad character and low investment are are lowering the bar for men. <laughs> and it's true. They are. It does. Yeah, you got to fight the patriarchy at both the political and personal level. Like, it, again, she doesn't offer an alternative to FDS ever. But yes. Damn, they just think about the patriarchy all the time. Huh? Part of forcing men to respect you is withholding things they value until they respect you, right? You don't just, like, give them things. Yeah, but the problem here is you're becoming transactional with sex, which is... I understand if you're saying it because it's the patriarchy stuff, but once you become start becoming transactional with sex, then you can't be surprised when guys are, you know, see it that way. Respect me. Is, respect me. Afterwards. You need to respect me. Exactly. You, guys, I don't know how many times I need to say on the female dating strategy streams, but respect women. Respect them, okay? Negotiating tactic, first of all. <laughs> but then secondly, if you keep rewarding people who don't respect you with your company and sex, then they're going to keep thinking that's okay to do. 
that's not even like a, a groundbreaking FDS strategy. I feel like every therapist worth their salt will tell you that. This is basically like behavioral science. This is this is this is you know where like the whole concept of you know disciplining a child comes in, right? You know, spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm not saying you should hit your kids, but children need consequence, and so do men. Sometimes you got to spare the rod for the ladies if you want to spoil them. You know what I mean? And it seems like consequence is the only language, in my experience, that men actually understand. If you're standing in front of them, you know, paragraphing, giving sermons as to why they've treated you like shit. It doesn't work. It literally doesn't work. Everyone will say people respect people who respect themselves. You're not showing respect for yourself when you have sex with people who don't respect you. You're showing that it's okay for them to treat you that way. And you, you believe you deserve that treatment. And again, I feel bad because this woman's clearly been through been through it she's been through it right she's got a lot of internalized misogyny and again she uses that term withholding <laughs> sex i absolutely hate this term because you know you withhold something that that somebody is entitled to like food or their wages or something but men are not entitled to sex it isn't a punishment if we don't want to have sex with a man for him it isn't it isn't something that he's entitled to from us having sex is a privilege yeah okay not a right we've compared pickmies to people who like cross a picket line and go back to work when there's some kind of a union strike only having sex with men who respect you and who have shown investment that's like the workers who don't go to work unless they're being paid a fair wage and are operating under safe conditions pickmies who fuck guys on the first date after being disrespected i do see it as a betrayal of the sisterhood because when you fuck guys who treat you like shit you're teaching them that treating women like shit is what will get you sex and then guess what i mean sometimes it does unfortunately it's that's the problem is it just it does work like that sometimes what, it's very confusing going. i'm telling you there's a lot of guys who were treated women very well and i know people like this who were like i'm gonna be like the treating women good guy and then got nothing and then all of a sudden we're like okay i guess i'll try treating women poorly and then got way more pussy than they can handle and and then they go how am i supposed to think about this on and they treat other women like shit they feel validated in that worldview so it's not it's not to blame and again it is not and again obviously blame. shit is subjective i'm not saying like literally you know like you know we know what we're talking about you just mean like you're a little salty Blame women for men's behavior and i want to make sure that we say that it is to say like listen you know we don't live in a vacuum we live in a community right and culture cultural change doesn't happen except for when collective action happens for people to believe this is the standard we're going to set for our society. And that's how all of it changes, not just us. And then here here in this paragraph, she says, parentheses, full disclosure, earlier this year, the FDS Twitter account called me, quote, an architect of everything wrong with sex posi feminism, end quote, in response to coverage of my book. And then she continues on. Like, that was such a weird parentheses because it's in the middle of a paragraph talking about something else entirely. But she, I like how she puts that in the middle of a paragraph, in the middle of the article. I love how they're so catty that they're just giving it to her, giving her the business on her journalistic writing skills. To bury it. To be like, this is totally not like a... <laughs> I, I don't have a vendetta. Oh, is this not MLA formatted? Um, she's not an objective source, basically. Yeah, she's not She's not a reliable narrator, let's just say. Um, so she continues, <clears throat> withholding <clears throat> sex and generating mate competition is a key way for women to get what they want from men, whether it's money or marriage, says FDS. Sex work, however, is hatefully treated as abhorrent and shameful. Sex work is real work. How many times do we have to say it on this stream? Quote, your hoo-ha runs the world. Men run on your time and will do anything to get between your legs, end quote, says one. So, again, ridiculous claim. Sex work is treated as abhorrent and shameful. And then she talks about your hoo-ha runs the world, like pussy is power kind of stuff. I don't see how those two related. Like the pussy is power thing is not evidence that we think that sex work is abhorrent and shameful. Like if you wanted to make that claim, you could pull a quote or something of someone criticizing sex work or something. But she didn't even do that. Like it's just lazy writing. She makes it seem like we're manipulating them rather than weeding out men that are not 
compatible with the things that we need in our relationships, right? And the reason why it's different from sex work is because sex work is inherently coerced sex to get uh, for economic benefit, meaning like these women who are doing sex work, they're economically dependent on men. So then they are performing a service to sexually uh, please men. We're not performing shit for men. I mean, she's she's just reinforcing that. That's like, for sure. Atmosphere quote that all women are prostitutes, even wives. Wives are just prostitutes on a longer term contract. So she says the, <laughs> the for women to get what they want for men, whether it's money or marriage, and then compares wanting money or marriage for men. And she doesn't, she doesn't include respect, sexual compatibility, orgasms, orgasms, all the things that she wrote in the beginning that we're up against. She doesn't seem to connect the fact that we are delaying sex until we can evaluate a man's ability to, uh, first of all, make sure they're not a rapist or an abuser, uh, making sure that they're not going to use coercive reproductive control, make sure they're not a loser, make sure they're able to sexually satisfy us, and also that they're not like sexist and going to hold us to some weird double standard. Those are all things you... It's crazy that we listen to all this nonsense just over and over again, and we all know they're just going to wind up alone. It's just, it's crazy. to assess about a person before you fuck them, I would think. So she said, okay, so she finally gets to the part where she acknowledges <laughs> patriarchy exists. She says, FDS is right about one thing, a patriarchal landscape that oppresses women. It takes issue with physical and emotional violence against women, particularly within the context of heterosexual relationships. FDS accurately notes structural inequalities for straight women in sex and dating, while the manosphere reacts to women's greater independence as a crime against men. But the respective rightness and wrongness of these two communities' perceptions of injustice is overshadowed by their shared belief in individuals aiming themselves to ruthlessly excel with a rigged contest. So let's unpack that. So she says that FDS is right. The patriarchy exists. Um, Red Pill is wrong because they think patriarchy does not exist. She acknowledges we do address the structural inequalities of straight women. But then she says she basically in the next part, she's saying that because we're focusing on an individualist uh, model uh, within a rigged contest. And she says in both realms, political action is spurred in favor of self-help. So, again, what political action is she talking about? Like, how can we force yeah. men to treat individual like how do you on a political scale do what is essentially a cultural problem. Are we going to make it illegal for a man? Withholding sex, everybody. And to have sex with a woman and not make her come, right? Like, right, exactly. From a practical standpoint, how would we make this legally binding, right? How would we I make mean, this you could do that. You could fucking call me John Wayne Gacy because you're going to have to lock me away for action much, much more than like just being an awareness of like how to vet for the kind of men who are actually going to be beneficial to you, right? And it also assumes that like, even if we were to try to do some kind of political action, men wouldn't figure out how to game that, right? Like, say we did something. It's not like, this is not like a thing that... Of course men will figure out how to game that, just, just like we do with everything else. For eternity. And anytime we create some kind of new progress as women, men figure out... Three more likes, by the way, and I'll give away a channel membership. We're only three away. Exploit it to their sexual benefit. So when they say these kind of political action things, I'm like, first of all, we're not saying you can't do any type of political action. She doesn't offer any political action. But for these individual relationship type problems, it does... It does rely on women being able to uphold and have the courage and understanding of what they're up against so they can properly uphold their boundaries when necessary. Continuing on, she says, in both realms, political action is spurned in favor of self-help. She explains how, you know, the red pill sees men at the as at the mercy of a state that does not care for their existence and must therefore use any means necessary to achieve personal happiness. Similarly, a popular FDS post explains why playing patriarchy is favorable to fighting it. False. False. This this is actually a place where... Shout out to N-Word! who <laughs> got the the membership i get really upset because the quote that she pulls this from actually let me just read the quote first so quote sure we all want to get rid of patriarchy but instead of letting it get us no, down we don't. And hopeless some women have turned to shrugging admitting it is what it is and using it to live their ideal life end quote writes one user in explaining the fds approach quote it's going to be a long time before patriarchy is dismantled so why not make life enjoyable for you end quote so Ro, please explain why this quote is taken out of context the actual um the full post that she pulled this from and again i had to google it because she didn't link shit and i think she doesn't link stuff on purpose so this is a the the overall title of the quote is about how like the awakening women hold more power than they think and can use it to get everything they deserve there's a quote 
right above the quote that she takes that says, for my ladies who have given up, love good men, being moral and doing things the right way. There are ones who will peep game and use patriarchy to their advantage. And there's ones who pe- will peep game and want to destroy the patriarchy. Peep Neither game? Is wrong. So basically this paragraph, she's saying that like, yes, like there are, it's not that it's preferable. It's that these are two different tactics, meaning like these are two different strategies mm-hmm. to do it. So she says, those that want to destroy patriarchy are best, are basically FDS's audience. There we go. It says right here, the women who want to destroy patriarchy are, are basically FDS's audience. This includes getting everything on your own, no depending on men, and absolutely no pandering to men, not looking for good men, etc. Safe route, nothing wrong with it. Sure, we all want to get rid of patriarchy, but instead of letting it get us down and hopeless, some women have turned to shrugging, admitting it is what it is, and using it to live their ideal life. It's going to be a long time for patriarchy is dismantled. Why not make it's life? It's never going to be dismantled. Life enjoyable for you. I don't date men that can't elevate or improve my life in any way. So she's saying that, like, this is... This is a two-pronged strategy. What, like, what does that even mean? Dis- what does dismantling the patriarchy look like? What is it, 50% of women in the military? Like, what does it Meaning, look like? Nobody both, can answer you that. Need to, uh, both FDSs are the ones who want to destroy patriarchy, but also learn tools to work within it while we're still in it. Period. So she, she pulls the second part of the quote, quote and then ignores the entire first part of it. And then says we don't want to do that, which is just false. It's it's false on the actual post that she pulled it from. Extremely intellectually dishonest. Yeah. And the other thing, like the quote that she's talking about, we have a good point. Like I saw an article that was like, oh, at the rate we're going, it's going to take like 200 years before women achieve wage equality with men. Oh my God. A lot of the goals that we have as feminists is going to take a long time and several generations to achieve. And we're not there yet. It's, a, you know, we're working towards a goal, but at the same time, you have to learn to work what is the goal you have to work with what you've got right yes we want to dismantle patriarchy but at the same time patriarchy is still here so we have to be smart about the the power dynamics inherent in patriarchy how to live our best possible life in spite of it my problem with sex posi feminism is that they've essentially acted like oh we've already dismantled the patriarchy women can fuck whoever we want free love pretending like we've already vanquished the patriarchy is very naive and secondly i think it's one of the ways that patriarchy has inadvertently perpetuated itself is by tricking us into thinking ladies the patriarchy's done it's all done let's just you know hang out grab a drink no strings attached celebrate the end of the patriarchy no longer exists and so yeah i'll bring the rubbers women have a ton of casual sex and a lot of women are not enjoying it or have experienced rape or abuse or just you know bad sex right so you can oh i'm sorry patriarchy has ended but when patriarchy when you're acting that way in a world where patriarchy still exists you're just gonna fuck yourself over um the attitude of shrug it is what it is is a perfect reflection of the red pills long-standing apathy it wasn't until blah 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 blah. i don't know i'm getting bored with this yeah i don't know what she's going oh you're getting bored with this huh suppose us to them even though it doesn't really it doesn't align it doesn't align at all yeah and she says in both communities a personal gain requires personal improvement red pill she's giving a fucking ad to the red pill (laughs) she's saying the red pill emphasizes mental and physical fitness in the journey from beta to alpha similarly fds users advise women to work towards uh traits of the very most i mean it is true fds is not trying to tell women to get better which is the one thing that is like they're trying to compare themselves to red pill and fds but you're like fds is not about female self-improvement at all they're still about that bullshit where you're like, you're good however you are, and guys are wrong, and you're right, and you're queen, and all that shit. Well, women who exist at the very highest end of the bell curve, the ones who can barely avoid tons of men wanting to commit to them forever. I feel like this quote is taken out of context as well. Yeah, this is um, this is in our handbook. It's just traits of the most divided. It's just like basically one of the high, how to be a high value woman post. Personal gain requires personal improvement, meaning like you got to be more attractive to fuck more attractive people. I don't think that's controversial. 
And I feel like she she sprinkles a bunch of stuff in here that's not true. Like necessarily FDS holds men's commitment as an ultimate goal. No, <laughs> we talked about our ultimate goal, which is for women to live like ha have happily fulfilled lives. Queens. Commitment is worthless for most men. If the man is low value, the commitment is worth nothing. Yeah, the commitment is only worth as much as the man has actual value to you. And so the idea is to actually secure a relationship or a series of relationships with men who provide value to you. That is FDS's goal. Commitment. A series at, of relationships. That's as it, dark. As it stands is basically worthless. You know, just just to get it, because otherwise, again, you just be the regular old dating advice, like how to how to lock down a man for marriage, and that's not us. So she goes on. No, to, no, 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 no. You definitely none of you are going to be married. Talk no. about the rules and why men love bitches, and so I don't know what one of their weddings is going to be like. Other if that, books that God forbid ever happens. That, you know, we've mentioned in our reading list, and then she finally gets. This is the this is the most egregious part. Actually, this is the biggest lie in the whole article. She says. FDS women are encouraged to own their desires and make demands, but specifically in the interest of attracting high value men so that they can get what they want from those men. Quote, when a man has found his dream girl, he, was, he will ditch his old ways and become the man that she expects to have, says one post. The woman who becomes a man's dream girl is a woman that has standards, end quote. Having standards frequently manifests on FDS as adhering to old fashioned courtship ideals, like a man taking a woman on a nice dinner date, opening the door for her and speaking on her behalf to the waiter. FDS teaches women to instrumentalize themselves and other people in the interest of getting ahead. So first of all, we have a post saying specifically that a man will not change for his dream girl. She's saying that we said that men will change for their dream girl. Like basically she's spreading that lip them idea that like if you do everything right and act exactly the way he wants, then he will be the man that you want him to be. Sometimes. False. We said over and over in FDS. He needs yeah, to they're just bitter and jaded because they haven't been able to, to turn that trick, if you will. But I think it's true. Come right from the beginning, right? Like it's not realistic to expect a man to change for you. I think it's not realistic, but it happens. She pulls this from one of um. Uh, maybe it is realistic. It just depends how good uh, the chick is, I guess. The post, a post called uh, "Know What Your Standards Are and Stick to Them," and again, out of context. Basically, the entire post is just describing the kind of behavior that uh, a man who respects and likes you does, right? It's not saying that like if he uh, is a type of guy to disrespect women, that he's going to change specifically for you. And I think she just misreads that the, the funniest part to me was like her saying that you know standards are old-fashioned courtship ideals like a man taking a woman out on a nice dinner date opening the door for her and speaking on her behalf why is that seen as a bad thing why do lip fems act like it's regressive and shitty to want to be treated well and unfeminist for a man to take you on a nice dinner date and open the door for you right like it, it's so funny coming from the jezzies because they're like you know what i love is a man who grabs me by the hair and makes me cry when i give a blowjob and like chokes me out and leaves bruises and like yeah it's ironic coming i from mean the problem here i will say this is like if these two swaths of women are in direct competition against one another which i guess you kind of for the evolutionary element of it i guess they kind of are because they are just competing for the same man it's like Dudes are going to like the, the the Jezebel types probably a little bit better than these nagging heads. Yeah, so she was, why is she acting like we're so unreasonable for wanting or liking men who treat us well? This is the false dichotomy of this like specific strain of liberal feminist thought where they're in a competition to show how much abuse they can take from men uh, to see, to say, to own their desires. But if women like are in a competition of how well we can be treated by men it's wrong yeah right that it's like it's unfeminist why is it seen as a bad thing for a man why is it seen as bad and unfeminist for a man to treat you well right but why is it feminist for a man to choke you out during a blowjob and i know she i know she said she like specifically struggles with it but it also just seems like why is that why is it an okay choice or a feminist choice or like a choice that we should be supported or like a choice with agency when it's around degradation and sexual disrespect but if we choose something else 
that's old fashioned and we're like we're setting them back because i'm like it, it seems like it seems like a recreation of a gender role if you're asking men to do pornified sex to you yeah that's just a different gender role but it's a worse one it's just a different gender role versus like being, not for us it ain't being treated well by them so i would fucking rather be treated like a princess than be treated like a whore i'm sorry to say that but that's like i mean true that i know it's gonna sound really mean that's true so she says fds teaches women right. to instrumentalize themselves and other people in the interest of getting ahead i'm like first of all getting ahead where where are we going having a dinner date nowhere yeah having a dinner date i guess she's acting like it's so nefarious to want a guy to take you on dates and like open the door for you I'm looking for a guy who will ask me about my game. I agree, though. But I, w I will say these Jezebel chicks are really carrying water for us dudes, and we appreciate you. You know, makes me come and treats me well and blah, blah, blah. Oh, so you're willing to do anything to get ahead. Get ahead. I'm like, ahead of where? <laughs> As if it's, like, a bad thing. I don't understand where she thinks we're going. That's that's kind of the confusing a part of this whole thing. But she's, like, encouraged to own your desires and make demands. But she said specifically... We're almost wrapping up this episode, and we're definitely not doing another. We got about... 15 minutes left for those keeping track at home we get another and high value 41 likes i'll give away another channel membership shout out to everybody who's watching and men will be attracted to appreciate you queens and demands they'll want to actually make you happy right they'll bring the value that you expect to you you're not tailoring your personality to attract them you're expecting them to bring value to you the next paragraph is one that i i saw as a personal attack no i'm kidding um this next paragraph really bothered me a lot she oh, says okay. the fds personal improvement mentality necessarily places responsibility on individual women women for avoiding victimhood and exploitation which is of course inherently victim blaming quote you have to be repulsive to predators be the opposite of what predators look for writes one poster predators look for someone naive or people with unresolved traumas if you are naive either completely avoid men or learn not to be naive if you have any traumas work on them end quote she sets up a false binary here she sets up a false binary that because we advocate for personal responsibility in the sense that like we're giving women strategies to avoid victimhood and exploitation we must be blaming them for that that's has, that's that's not that doesn't follow like she made an entire editorial choice here that has nothing to do with what we're talking about we're not blaming women for being exploited we're just like saying here's the tools to avoid it because most people if they knew would choose it and then she continues oh, young women need to be aware of the behaviors of men how to recognize them and avoid being destroyed by said men you need to plan and strategize so that you don't fall victim victimhood will not fly here Quote. Again, I will I will concede that women have been des destroyed by men, but goddamn, there have been a lot of dudes destroyed by women. Gosh, it happens at different parts in their lives. Sense that this quote has been cut in half. It has, yeah. And there's you can even see the ellipses. Like that's not the entire like comment. Yeah, it's just so dishonest. Okay, oh, here it is. Actually, it says it says you need to plan and strategize so you don't fall victim. Victimhood will not fly here. You will have to. You have the power to take charge of your life. You can't sit in your house waiting for Prince Charming. So you need to stop selling yourself short and open your eyes to your truth. Women have more power than they know, and your hoo ha runs the world. So again, she takes she takes this quote when we're talking about not like feeling like sorry for yourself, and then equates that to like sexual assault, which is not the case. Again, decontextualized here. Yeah, we're saying like don't sit around and feel sorry for your and expect good things to happen to you and she's saying oh that's victim blaming <laughs> and we're also saying that a man isn't going to save you as well and that's also victim blaming allegedly so uh, this what she discusses here uh, and uh, just to wrap up this this thread she says personal savvy eclipses the systemic threats to women's safety it is a compelling fantasy of the individual triumphing over injustice so can't believe i'm going to say this but i kind of miss the roast discroats this concept is something that i actually have struggled with a lot with fds i read just taylor's book why women are blamed for everything. And she talks about how self-defense classes and other ways that women might prevent themselves from getting assaulted sort of implicitly place the onus on women to avoid male violence, right? And there, to, to her, like Jess Taylor does a really good um, 
way of explaining this. My problem with this narrative, though, even though it's true, my problem with this narrative is that it kind of makes you impotent. It's like, what do you, because men want the exploitation of women to continue. Women no, they don't. don't want it to continue. So if we want things to change, it's a complex conversation because on the one hand, people blame themselves often because they want to feel like they're in control. Unfortunately, we live in an unjust world where shitty things happen to good people and we have no control over that. And so we want to, you know, as humans, we want to make sense of the world. We want to think of things in terms of cause and effect. When something bad happens to someone, we want to think, oh, like they must have had it coming or it was their fault for not preventing it or something like that. Right. So that's just kind of the worldview that we're operating within. That being said, um, I don't think it is beneficial to women. Ultimately, if we want to end male violence, women have to do something about it, right? Because men aren't going to stop it. Men That's exactly what Andrew Tate said. That's so weird. That's literally one of the things that Andrew Tate got vilified for saying. Strange they how that from is. Exploiting women. And weird. we don't want to be exploited. So that means we have to do something about it, right? And we need to do something about it, both on the individual and on the structural level, which we talk about all the time, but she conveniently ignores it. In terms of like, you know, you have to be repulsive to predators, be the opposite of what predators look for. It doesn't mean if you fall victim to a predator, you, that person shouldn't be prosecuted and it's your fault. I think they're, they're making it seem like it, she's setting up a false binary where either um, where we're saying that, like, if you don't take responsibility and something happens to you, it's your fault. It's difference between assigning fault and then taking responsibility. Taking responsibility is not assigning fault. It's just a matter of, like, trying to uh, do your best to navigate a system that may or may not be in your favor, <sighs> but still working towards the idea that, but still, like, you know, supporting women when they do fall victims, but helping them to get up and still make something of their lives. I think she, she just sets up these false binaries all the time because, and this is something they do because they can't imagine a narrative outside of these, like, you know, left wing, right wing type of live femme narratives where it's not one thing, it must be the other. They have this idea that like, if we say um, not being a victim is beneficial to you or like not wallowing in your victim is beneficially, that denies the fact that they're being victims. No, we're just saying that like- Really wondering with this Tate stuff, if they're gonna be like, yeah, preach. a way to help you either avoid trauma altogether, which is preferable, but also heal from trauma, or move past trauma, right? It's not like we're not, we're trying to make sure that you're, that people aren't just like sitting here walling, like there's nothing I can do. I've been a victim or I'm going to be a victim. And they're just kind of treading water, being confused about how to drive forward or drive the car in their own life. Ultimately, what's the alternative, right? So we're, we're saying that women need to be aware of the behaviors that men do, their tactics, how to recognize them, how to avoid them. That's labeled victim blaming. My problem with the victim blaming narrative is that it's basically encouraging women to just be in danger and hope nothing bad happens to them. And there's also This is literally the exact same thing Andrew Tate said. Us to just hope Which that. is, by the way, good advice. It's like, you know, it's more of like you're just taking the world for how it is versus how you want it to be. And you just understand that the world is how it is and you're doing something about it. Men just mutate and... And become better and again i think there is a fine line between saying women can protect themselves and self-preservation and also expecting men to step up for me it gets tricky because it's obvious we can't rely on men as a class to all of a sudden want to be better human beings if we do that we're never getting out of the patriarchy let's be real it's just not going to happen i would love to eradicate male violence i'd love to live in a world where women you know who else would love to eradicate male violence men walk the street at night and feel completely safe and not be at risk of male violence and so on, or just enter into relationships and be trusting and naive and just be lucky and not have anything bad happen to them. I would love for us to live into, in that kind of world where women didn't have to engage in all of these strategies to protect themselves. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. And it's probably going to be another hundred years, if that, before we eradicate male violence and exploitation of women. You think a hundred years and there's going to be no more violence? And, and what oppressed what group about? of you know people like have ever been you know freed from their oppression by just hoping that their oppressor will be nicer to them? 
even if you look at you know civil rights that was you know you, you know civil disobedience it was protests and stuff like that um lgbt rights as well like it wasn't just a case of oh we'll just you know carry on and just hope that they'll be nice to us like there needs to be action or there's always action you know from the oppressed group that's just the way the social order is yeah if someone's attacking you you have to do something to protect yourself you know i'm not saying it's your fault if you get attacked no not at all not at all not all not all this is, this is the word salad they let me preface oh. this this is this last paragraph this next paragraph is the word salad they do happened. in every single uh mainstream media publication when they don't want to actually address our views on bdsm and porn they hide it in a paragraph because we've been very explicit about between the podcast and the numerous articles about why we have issues with porn and bdsm and none of these feminist magazines none of these mainstream media magazines will fairly represent our points and they do that because our points are actually completely reasonable but they don't have a response to it so this next paragraph she says like fbs is no stranger to hate the community takes a moralizing stance against porn and bdsm and exhibits transphobia, whorephobia, and fatphobia. I really Whoa. dislike the comparison. So the moralizing stance against porn and BDSM is that it's harmful to women. Oh, like we're so horrible giving a shit about women's and their exploitation. Secondly, I don't like how they're comparing transphobia, whorephobia, fatphobia to critique, legitimate critique of the porn industry and- Whorephobia disgusts me. The power dynamics of BDSM. Basically comparing like hate speech to critique of an industry that abuses women. And she doesn't provide any receipts. There's no receipts. Yeah, she doesn't give any examples, yeah. And she doesn't really justify how we're whorephobic, transphobic, or fatphobic. Of course, opportunism and desperation tend to play out somewhat differently for women, thanks Yeah, I don't know about, I'll tell you one thing, they're definitely not as fatphobic. ...to the systemic inequality that FDS is uninvested in collectively tackling. False. <laughs> False. <laughs> Again, I don't know where she got this from. <laughs> Sis, I don't know how you're Sis? addressing systemic inequality by begging men to do the patriarchy to you, okay? Yeah, exactly. I don't see how throwing up on a guy's dick is challenging systemic inequality, okay? Fucking speak I for have yourself. some ideas Anyways, about continues, it. gives women advice on using men to their personal benefit, much as the red pill does for men, but unlike in the manosphere, this runs alongside strategizing on legitimate, proportional, reality-based concerns around everything from sexual assault wow. to reproductive control. Wow, so she, wow. she says we're just as bad as the red pill. The difference is that the red pill's beliefs are based on nothing, and FDS is based on the very real concerns so basically she hasn't got an article then <laughs> yeah like she's like fds and the red pill are just as bad except that the red pill is based on falsehoods and fds is based on reality so we're not like the red pill then right like it... she's got no article she's literally dismantled her article <laughs> she's literally dismantled her she's literally dismantled her own argument in that sentence at the very end <laughs> yeah it's like if only she could dismantle the patriarchy okay we're almost done here the comparisons to us and red pill are superficial at best and again it's like what was that tally i didn't i didn't keep the whole tally it was like we have in-group jargon using the word strategy talking about dating evo psych r vague references to evo psych we're both human beings we breathe air we drink <laughs> water <laughs> on earth we're love andrew we tate yeah. <laughs> um uh, end paragraph regardless of their mutual disdain or their respective legitimacy of their grievances fds and the red pill are tied together by their fundamental ethos neither of these communities are interested in equality mutuality vulnerability or interdependence instead their focus is on control and manipulation and opportunistic personal advancement via sex and dating i don't date men that can't elevate or improve my life in any way right so one fds poster i think more women should do this and protect themselves as you won't fall victim to bums that hold you back for years on end with my ex i was able to get trips overseas <laughs> gifts protection devotion and admiration that's the that's the final quote that's the fucking final quote she puts in there <laughs> what's with these lip bumps who are so used to getting treated like shit that they think 
Like they think that you're a bad person if you want to be treated well. I don't see a problem. Yeah. Where's the problem? <laughs> Again, I don't understand this. I'm not seeing the exploitation. I'm not seeing the abuse. I'm not seeing, you know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing here that suggests that whatever was given to her wasn't deserved, right? Like you can make the argument, like, did she browbeat him into it? Did she choke him out? Did she scream at him every day until he bought her gifts? Like, no. They went on a vacation together. Oh I'm God. sure there was a bit of that. But she's though. exploiting him. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing about it, she doesn't explain like why this is bad, why it's exploitation, why it's negative. like we can explain very clearly why the red pill is abusive and exploitative to women, right? They, their whole premise is things like negative, like negging, like dread game, all that kind of stuff is trying to exhibit emotion. Yeah, and like I said before, guys don't neg because they want to. This is just her like insisting on being treated a certain way or walking away from guys or like finding men who'll treat her a certain way right or just finding those guys like not threats not trying to like control them not manipulating them like the sentence i don't date men that can't elevate or improve my life in any way why would you want to date a guy who doesn't like why is that a bad thing agreed why would you want to date a guy who harms your life (laughs) right is that equality and the the thing about this is she's saying none of these communities are interested in equality mutuality vulnerability or interdependence like false again if you find a good guy then it's fine (laughs) the problem except that there's no such thing is finding the right guy she thinks that a maximizing female benefit is against equality like i've seen that argument before that fds is against equality because they're female supremacists and they want they advocate for women and again i don't see why that's a bad thing we live in a patriarchy where women are oppressed you have to be able to ruthlessly advocate for yourself you need a defense and an offense these people are just focused on defense all the time not even that they're just focused on undermining their own shit i I don't understand lib femmes who think that you're a bad person if you want a man to add value to your life maybe just because they are used to dating men who subtract value from their life and so they think that that's the norm oh sorry there's one more line at the end i I didn't read it because it was i didn't see it first because it was subscribe to our newsletter the last last sentence is she adds they recognize quote they recognize women that know they're the prize end quote so what's wrong with women seeing themselves as the prize what's wrong with women valuing themselves with having self-esteem we're supposed to we're supposed to chase after men and beg them to like us like she yes. does we, we're supposed like to men do to them, women me pick me you know what i'm saying this is bookending the beginning of this podcast <laughs> we're supposed to chase after men and say want me and we're not doing that so it's a problem for yeah again I, she has the same mentality as these sorts of women Ugh. who you know would we've talked about just droning so on at this point insecure we're almost done we have a be the most couple more minutes because if they see you doing too well then they're going to try to tear you down and like destroy you yeah i mean the thing is she's watching men taking offensive she's seeing the red pill she's seeing the menace for mobilized create these armies against us you know knows patriarchy is real they have mounted a strong offense they're trying to run the ball all the way down to our goal right and it's like she expects Ooh, sports analogy i'm back exist instead of like launching an ability to score the other way right and i know i hate and if we try to score the other way that's victim blaming or manipulation or exploitative or whatever right or like all it is is like balancing the score right or it's like trying to create some kind of balance because if we don't then men continue to do what they always do which is prioritize themselves privilege themselves try to subjugate women and then lo and behold we end up in another patriarchal or exploitive system and then lip films are all scratching their heads like i don't know how we got here why are men like this and like acting confused and shit and we're like because you didn't launch an offensive like fds like i said since we say we're explicitly pro-female self like trying to look for strategies that benefit women it's because we are trying to uh, create a counterbalance towards patriarchal forces you can't just sit there and expect men to magically become the kind of men you have you have to create systems by which they experience consequences for not doing the kinds of behavior that you want and that includes not slinging pussy to fuck boys because you reinforce their disrespect you reinforce that you're not worthy of the treatment and the respect that feminists so desperately want in their relationships right and in their sex lives she's a perfect example of a person who never demanded respect mutuality reciprocity in any of her relationships and that's why she never had orgasms in any of them until like the very last one 
because you didn't do any of this work you can't sit there and just keep expecting to find these guys and you haven't actually done anything to start to weed off and launch an offensive and it's not your fault that men are like that but men maybe she just doesn't care maybe she's just i don't know are like that so what are you going to do what's the solution all this criticism and this is my this is my rant about everybody that chris is FBI. i have a solution mass genocide of all men Come up with your own shit. <laughs> What's your first script? Tell me the alternative. Tell us the alternative. I will look forward to your book or your article, Tracy Clark Flory, where you I won't. Describe, or your podcast where you describe like how to counteract all these forces that are coming from men, not just the manosphere, but porn, everything else that we talk about are, that women are up against by sitting around twiddling your thumbs, writing article after article about how men should, give, should be better and how we should educate them and expect them to care and expect things to change. And they never do. And you sit there and be confused year after year. And it will be over here creating strategies, running the ball into the end zone. What strategies? They have one strategy every 10 fucking episodes. You and being like, get your shit together, sis. We'll be waiting here for you. I'm out. Woo! Mic drop. As much as we roast Tracy Clark Flory, I do hope she figures her shit out. And when she does figure her shit out, you know, we'll embrace her with open arms. But as of yet, you know, she's still she's still got a level up, sis. Bam. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Please check out our Patreon for weekly bonus content. No. All right, that. Actually, psych. We're going to do another episode, Queens. No, kidding. I'd fucking probably kill myself, and I'm sure a lot of you would. All right, that has been... The stream for this week, all the queens out there, the kings, the scrotes, the low-value males, the negative-value males, the high-value males, which I'm not sure even exists. That's been it uh, for this week. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. And by us, I mean me. But also us as in all of us. Uh, so you know... You can support the stream. Again, as always, you can uh, join the channel memberships. Shout out to everybody who joined uh, this week and all the new members. I think we're going to have some new emojis if we get like one more or two more. So we'll get there soon. New episode of Low Value Mail this Tuesday night at 9 p.m. And the bathhouse is officially moving to Wednesday nights because not enough people are watching it live uh, because I guess you have lives and shit and do stuff, uh, which I can appreciate. So it's no longer on Thursday nights. It's on Wednesday nights. Last episode was really fun. I think we're going to go Wednesday at 8 or 9 p.m. One of those two things. Uh, Wednesdays are better anyway to the bathhouse because we have access to more comedians because a lot of these big-name comedians who hang out at the stand, they go on the road Thursdays. So Wednesday night is the bathhouse. Also, uh, if you want to listen to episodes of Female Dating Strategy, I believe they are all up now on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Same with The Bathhouse. The newest episodes you get one week after they air on YouTube, or if you're a Patreon member, uh, you can listen to them the day of or immediately. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Thanks very much, everybody. I appreciate you all. I will see you all very soon. I can't believe you guys are all still listening to this shit. I Seriously? I, I can't ha stop thinking about what I said where I'm like, what if they never find somebody and what if they're just doing this for 10 years? Am I going to be doing this in 10 years listening to the fucking Female Dating Strategy podcast? But on a good note, this was episode, what was this, 33 or something? 30, 31, 32. So we should be getting caught up by the end of the year probably, at which point then I'll just do one episode every two weeks because I'll do a couple at a time. So there's some, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Catch you all Tuesday night for a new episode of Low Value Mail Wednesday for the Bathhouse. Peace out, everybody.